You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Because you think that like, this song's probably like, oh, this song's about what fame's like, what fame is hard. <laughs> the really funny thing about the song was uh, back in, uh, I think this was back during, this was back during our time on Revelation Records. Oh, yeah. Where I was talking to a friend of mine um, at the, the bar we both worked at, because uh, being on Revelation is very lucrative, you still work at a bar. Yeah, um, of course. But as I was walking away, he had said, you know, something like, Hey, tell him to reissue Ray and Purcell, you know, like some like jerk off shit like that. And he says it and he's, you know, feels very self satisfied. But he's, he can't understand why the guy sitting next to him is just like really like vibing him, like really mean mugging him. Uh, and as it turns out, that, that was actually that Purcell was sitting Purcell. Right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> like of all the people to be sitting next wow. to on Earth, of course it has to be that dude. I really wish I was there because I would have been like, hey, didn't you write that song Fame? <laughs> That's so good. Didn't you elect to use a drum machine? When, when you were at the height of your powers and you could have brought any drummer in or flew any drummer in, like, you could have got the drummer from Deep Purple to come into a session for Union Scale. It's about fame. And they're like, you know what? This isn't about, this isn't about keep playing about magic. And this song is about the pitfalls of fame as Ray and Porcel knew it. They've made their first million <laughs> um, off of uh, the ba- on the backs of literally on the backs of young hardcore men buying uh, t-shirts and, and vinyls. They made their first million, and now this is them looking back. <clears throat> uh, the pitfalls of fame. So, this is overnight drive. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. We started this a little weird tonight. <laughs> um, this is episode forty-one. Yeah, you got it. I believe. 39. We've uh, we've recorded 40. these in a weird order. Mm-hmm. I believe this will fall in, in the canon as episode 41. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's going to be painful. Um, why? Why would it be Why would it be any more painful than any other ones? 
well, for me, maybe more painful. For you, this might be, you know, par for the course. Uh-oh. But this is the uh, the long-threatened musical embarrassment episode. <laughs> and I just happen to not be able to find any of my former bands. Yeah. However, uh, Burning Bridges is available on uh, many avenues. So we can well, just... what we did is, before we started this... Uh, we really used social media to its uh, to its utmost, <laughs> and uh, contacted a lot of people, and we're like, "Hey, do you have that demo that I cut like eight years ago in your basement? And if so, could I have an MP3 of that?" A lot of really confused yeah, messages back. Like, uh... Yeah, a lot of people like, "Yo, I'm at work. Leave me alone." But I love the the non not helpful at all messages back, like, "Oh, I have that old shirt. <laughs> cool, thanks. thanks. Fucking helpful." Yeah, I was on. Um, anybody who's ever been to Albany, New York, um, knows. I'm not just. I'm not gonna say it's a dump, but they just know. You know, Andrew, you were back in Albany. Yeah, on, this week on this Tuesday. It's a dump. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I saw the the fa- the fear in Gabri's eyes, along with the the like um kind of like a mixture of like uh, Kirk Douglas <laughs> and like. Uh, maybe you look kind of like the rifleman. Yeah, you know, you were kind of like Chuck Connors. You look like <laughs> weathered. You know, you maybe you'd been up fighting uh, like an Indian tribe for a day. You looked very weathered, very, very already been there. And when you came over to Justin's house, Gabri looked scared. That was what you. Were, that was your Albany experience. However, I <clears throat> was on an album. Well, let's not call it an album. I was on a demo CD, uh, CDR, uh, hardcore album called Pride. In Albany. <laughs> Fuck, it was a double CD set, wasn't it? Once and for all. Oh, yeah. Once and for all, motherfuckers. And when you hear a band name like that, you can only know one thing. To the point. I was like the pissed off like American Nightmare guitarist, so I flipped off the crowd. Oh, yeah. That was my first uh, endeavor. Well, my second endeavor playing guitar. Uh, and I learned all the songs. I went over to this guitarist's house and learned all the songs real quick. We all wore shirts that said go on them one oh, time. No. <laughs> yes. Oh, God damn. Like, fuck, you just came right out of the gate with this shit. Yep, we all, it was a, came out as a bright idea one day. I'm going to narrate this like, we should narrate this like this American Yeah. One day, one day we all decided it was a good, really good, it would have been a really good idea. I can't do Ira Glass. I can't do any impressions. One day we decided was, it was yeah. a good idea. I'm, this is Ira Glass. <laughs> I can't. Your uh, your Ichiro impressions get a lot of mileage. People are really enjoying. It. A lot of le- yeah, like a lot. It's like an old tire with no tread at this point. Yeah, man, this is Ira Glass. This is this American life. <laughs> it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really good, man. One day we're going to go back. We're going to talk to. We're going to talk to people who used to be in bands, man. <laughs> 
It is going to be an out of sight performance. <laughs> it is Fuck. It is going Okay, one day we were talking about uh we were talking we were all meeting in the band room um, and we were talking about how it would be a really good idea to wear shirts that said go exclamation point because the guy that band sworn in was playing also okay so we really wanted to show bridge nine records that we were a youth crew band that was not only back on the attack but we were also here to stay was bridge nine run by a person with a learning disability i don't understand how they i mean that was a good idea um i don't i i mean you know uh they have, Strong, they, have maybe. they have accumulated much hate. They signed Newfound Glory at one point, didn't they? I don't know. You know, honestly, New I, fan. as the story as it unfolds will tell, I uh, I never was involved in that Bridge Nine shit like ever. No. Like it was totally outside I love my being realm. A free agent on that shit. The only reason I ever went on Bridge Nine was to find some trim, and it worked. I'd imagine that worked, it worked pretty too well. well. Episode ten. It worked too well. <laughs> that, was, that was Bridge Nine, really. <laughs> No, it worked really well. I mean, that was, I mean, in the mix, in the, the time that I was there, in the, the, the bipolar haze of constant sex, it was good. That sex was great. And I was in really good shape, too, so I could go long. Our bodies matched up. <laughs> this girl was in real good shape, huh? She was all right. You know, she had, and uh, I was good. I could go a long time without getting out of breath. The last time I made love to a woman, a few weeks ago, I got very out of breath. Do you find that ever happens to you, Andrew? I do, quite a bit. Do you I'm do, also do, very... Um, <laughs> I'm doing computer stuff as we talk, so I'm like, uh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, man, you got it. Well, Andrew, let's take, let's take time, because to, to, this is an important revelation in our lives. Um, <clears throat> Andrew just celebrated a birthday. Yeah. Uh, we're men in our mid-30s now. Uh, I got out of breath to the point where I was behind her, giving it to her that way. And I felt like I was in a Benny Hill fucking episode where I was like, ah, 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 and I was making like a, like, like just ran a marathon, like involuntary, like ah, ah, noises. Um, don't, don't let that dissuade you women of overnight drive. If you'd like to, to, I'll get in shape for you. I feel like you have to run out of breath at least once though. Like otherwise it's just like, it's, it's kind of like boring. It's like, what do yeah. just paint something then? Yeah. It's kind of like if it's too loud or too old, like if you're not out of breath, you're doing something wrong. Correct. Even if I was, even if I was like Greg LeMond, that's a really old reference. <laughs> even if I was like Greg Luganus. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say move it up a little bit. Greg Luganus. Will even do. I was, if I was like, um, you know, Lance Armstrong, you know, and I, and I'm sure he got out of breath when he was taking it hard, taking it to the streets with Shell Crow. Are there any famous Gregs anymore? I can't think of any. Greg, oh yeah, Greg Jennings, Greg Odin. What the fuck are these people? What? Greg Odin um, <clears throat> is a backup center. For the Heat now, but he's known as the person they picked number one overall ahead of uh, the dude from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay, Kevin Durant. Yeah, and they have, uh, the he got drafted by the Trailblazers, and they had dis- they discovered quickly his legs were made of glass, <laughs> and he never made it. <clears throat> and now he plays like five minutes a game for the Heat, so it's an easy way to get a ring, you know? Like, oh, put Greg Oden in, you know? He'll he goes hard in the paint. All right, well, yeah. I guess. All right, so we got a couple. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Greg Jennings. From... I feel like Greg was a more popular name in the eighties. Greg Ginn. Greg who Ginn. is so yeah. awesome right now. I almost think it's a big troll fest. 
Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I wanted to, I don't, you know, you can see his, you can kind of, you could probably see his wallet from space. That's cool. Whatever. Um, I find, I don't know what I don't, what I dislike more. It's like, yes, he's, you know, screw, he, he didn't give Ron Reyes any money. Like, he didn't, he didn't give Des Kadeda any money, man. Like, well, yeah, but, you know, maybe they're not the most savory characters. Yeah, possibly. I don't know why, yeah, I don't know why anyone would, A, that's anyone's business, and B, why anyone cares, and C, why you would think otherwise. Well, I just like how they waited, like, they waited mm, 30 years, almost, to like get a sore hiney about the royalties, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? collectively, all of a sudden, yeah. Oh wait a minute, you owe us a thousand dollars. I've been working this drywall job for twenty five years, and all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you can go into like a tower and records in like nineteen eighty six, and probably see a bunch of Black Flag records, mm-hmm. and they're like, someone's getting paid somewhere along the line. What the fuck's going on? I need, I demand a full accounting, but instead they just let it go. So. Statue of Limitations, bro. All right, so uh, there are more <laughs> musical embarrassments than ours, clearly. There's there's greater anyway, things there. What we were talking about? Oh, yeah, we were talking about uh, getting out of breath during sex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah if you don't... Get there? And women, too. If you're on top, you got to... You got to get out of breath. Yeah, you got to rock. At you least gotta... once per session. Maybe, hopefully more. I like I like when Andrew opens up and talks about sex. Yeah, it's God bless. It's like a, it's I'm like... wonderful. <laughs> Andrew, having um, both seen you have sex and um, I'm sorry, uh, indulge in your uh, lovemaking. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I, I can can attest that you do go hard. Um, yeah, you must. Uh, all joking aside, you you uh, all you young, all you young kids out there, twenty, twenty one, nineteen. If you're having that slow, the slow jam, you're not rocking and rolling. Yeah, like lights off, fucking missionary position. Sex, you all need yeah. to rock and roll, all right? No holds barred. I don't care if you have six roommates and paper thin walls. Let them know. Mm-hmm. Let them know what you're it's doing. It's a point of pride. It's a point of fucking pride, exactly. I always want to have the guy who lives next door to me hmm. holding up a glass to the wall. Yeah, that's that's the that's the uh, that's the motivation. <laughs> I want to make this man feel small. <laughs> Um, what if Sean Duty was the man who lived next door? I guarantee at some point Sean Duty is fucking pressed his ear up to the wall. Really? Where at the place he lives now? I don't know where Sean Duty lives now. Oh. I guess we'll find out tomorrow slash last episode <laughs> when Sean Duty will be a guest. Oh, chrono- um, oh, chronology. So yeah, if if you want to hear the Sean Duty episode, go back in time to last week and listen to episode 40, which press, will be recorded tomorrow. Press pause now and listen to the last episode. Sean um, Duty will have some musical embarrassments, too. Maybe we'll have him lead into this episode. What if, by, uh, although a lot of his embarrassments are also mine. So, Andrew, what if you... I'm looking at your bedroom door right now. What if uh, Sean Duty comes over? It's raining out. Mm. Uh, and he's like, Andrew, I'm closer to your house than I am to home. Piss raining out. Let me stay over to your house. No. Well, you know. You can sleep in the hallway. <laughs> Let's just suspend uh, disbelief for a moment and you have a rare a rare moment. You've had some scotch. You're intoxicated by oh. the by the uh, you're intoxicated by the eventual the eventuality of, of great sex with your partner. Mm-hmm. Your your night's going awesome. You found that Gene Hackman movie. Um, Fuck! We were supposed to play the Gene Hackman movie <laughs> yeah, we while were. we watched that shit. Uh, it's all right. Um, I just feel you know whenever a movie's on, I just feel like it's kind of like a fire, like we're just like 
smoking cigars, drinking scotch, and <laughs> watching a Gene Hackman movie. <laughs> um, so he's over. You have a, ra- a rare moment of benevolence. You're like, all right, fine. Fucking, I'll buzz you in. He's like, oh, thank God. Oh, wet. Oh. He's in this room. He's wet. You know, you put a, put a sheet down, whatever. Fucking put gross. A, put a tarp down. <laughs> um, but Gabri still wants it bad. And you want it bad. You guys had this all planned out. You're like, you know, coming back on the train from the city. You had a nice Sunday together. You're like, oh, you know, we went to F.A.O. Schwartz and... We did all kinds of shit. <laughs> sure, man. All right. <laughs> Went to F.L. Schwartz. He bought me Auntie Anne's pretzels. I mean, shit, like a really cute date. Date, no, weekend. No, it's not. I just described the worst date. Yeah. F.L. <laughs> Schwartz. I don't you fucking <laughs> hold a gun to my head. No, you go on the big keyboard. That's fun. See, this is why I'm the best at cute dates. Um, big keyboard's still there, huh? Still there. Oh, all right. Uh, okay, fine. You walked around fucking Central Park and talked about, you know, records. Whatever the fuck. Um, but the point is, you're here. You're back home, home base. You're giving each other eyes. She's like, come on. You know, we fucking talked about this all day. You're going to give it to me long. And you're like, fine. John Diddy, here's Netflix. You know, <laughs> Spotify. Here's a pair of headphones. Uh, I'm going to go. You know, you don't tell them what's going to go on. But, uh. Yeah, like, Gabriel and I need to, you know, do our taxes. We're fighting. We're fighting, We're fighting right We're having now. a big fight. You know, it's really awkward. He came over, so just, you know, watch night moves, whatever the fuck you need to do. Night shift. Um, Should we watch night moves or night shift? Night shift. All right. Henry, always, always err on the side of, or not err, always, uh, always bet on the side of Henry Winkler. <clears throat> say. Um, so he's here. Uh, he's queer. Get used to it. He's taking off his clothes because he's all wet. He's sitting on the couch with a bare ass on a sheet. That oh, you this intend, is fucking awful. You, listen, you intend to throw out. Andrew, it's been a long time since I've given you a scenario. I know. This okay. is fucking terrible. I forgot how bad this is. <laughs> All right, just imagine we're in the van. Things have changed. Yeah. Now. All right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you close the door and you just turn around and you say, that's time. Let's, let's fuck like the first time we ever fucked. To Sean Duty? No, oh, your right. girlfriend. So but confused. You, I thought I was in a van. You turn around to Sean Duty, and you're like, "Let's fuck like the first time we ever fucked. Let's watch Cannonball Run and I said, oh, you okay. can blow me. Oh, Walker. Um, <laughs> let's watch a fistful of dollars, and you can fucking play with my. You could. Play... <laughs> I just imagined that, and I died <laughs> laughing. Anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, so you know, you guys get going immediately. He's fucking takes Delphos fucking. Takes off the fucking tight pants. You take, you're ripping off the shirt. You're like, oh fuck, I ripped my hundred dollar shirt. Oh well, you know, you're fucking pulling off the boots. You go fucking right inside. You fucking jam it right in. She's ready. She's ready. No foreplay, right? And all of a sudden, about five minutes in, she's making those good noises, um, involuntary and voluntary. Suddenly, um. You're, you're, there's a there's a lull. You're changing positions. You're uh, getting a, getting water because you're already super dehydrated. <laughs> really out of breath. Really, out of breath. <sighs> really dehydrated. Giving it to her so hard, <clears throat> and all of a sudden you hear there's a knock at your bedroom door. Knocking on the door. All right. And it's not going away. And it starts getting faster. <laughs> <Even> more urgent. <laughs> it's getting more urgent. You're like, uh, um, 
Okay, okay. And you're like, fine, fuck it, fine, fine. You pull out with a big bone. Walk over and open the door. What? What's going on here? And Sean Duty has been so worked up that he's masturbating, but his thumb keeps hitting the door. And he looks at you and you look at him and Sean Duty comes. Oh, fuck, that's awful. <laughs> Do you A, commit suicide, B, kill Sean Duty, or C, throw caution to the wind and have a three-way? Bar the doors and burn this whole thing down. Like that's it. We're all none of us are getting out of here alive. All right, fine. <clears throat> well, that was a scenario that brought to you by. That was a serious scenario. Half that scenario, like as you're doing the scenario, I'm like trying to get the movie started. I'm like moving files around. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. The... I'm sure that was very engrossing. And the grim reality hits you. <laughs> grim reality hits you. I can't watch Night Shift. That's already too funny. <laughs> Oh, if you were here, guys, I wish everyone was here. We're going to do another live overnight drive um, <clears throat> sometime Sunday. soon. We're going to, uh, yeah, apparently our man Dave V's, uh, been, there's been some talk uh, about bringing us back for a longer time. We'll Maybe, see what we can do. Yeah, we can see what we can do. We're going to, we're going to actually have actual topics. Because apparently, according to one Twitter follower, I didn't know Richard Belzer was in Night Shift. Oh, yeah. But, um, according to one Twitter, Twitter follower, it sounded really scripted. Scripted, all right. Scripted no. is strong. I definitely rushed. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll concur with that part. Yeah, I got a little, I had a little too much beer. All right, so, where were we? We were on, uh, we were on Once and For All and the Once Go shirts. And For All and the Go shirts. So we decided it was a keen idea to wear Go shirts. Um, <clears throat> so we walk in there looking like the fucking Globetrotters with the same shirts on. <laughs> And I and uh, uh, a guitarist in another band, I showed you. I just started playing guitar seriously, and he's like, "You know what you do? You plug in speaker cables in both the outs uh, in the back of your amp, and then plug two cables into your cabinet, and it sounds a lot better." So I did that, and my amp stopped working. Yeah, why would you ever do that? It's so stupid. Because you know what I did? I created. An impedance issue. Yeah. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> but I did. I created a legitimate impedance issue, and it, like, blew everything up. Jesus <clears throat> fucking Christ. And so I had to use a borrowed rig, and guess whose rig I borrowed? Thrill me. Porcel. Oh, is that right? Oh, it's coming. I played oh, it's all on Porcel's JCM 900, and to his credit, it sounded like a professional amp, and... uh Maybe he's the reason why I started playing guitar seriously. Because I'm like, wow, if I could sound that good, I could maybe ascend to higher levels of fame. Next time we sit at a bar next to him, we'll uh, we'll bring it up with him. And I'll be like, Porcel, tell me more about fame! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Brian Porcel also have a song called Broken Glass, which I'm just dying to hear. I think you will. We might throw that on as the outro. I know one of them, the fame has the beginning that is similar to... Um, Don't Lose My Number by Phil Collins. Oh, yeah, you're right. Holy shit. Billy, Billy, don't you lose that number because you're not anywhere that I can't find you. Um. Oh, oh yeah. So we... Uh, <laughs> glad you let me sing that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've... Uh, we put social media to good use and we've yeah. got uh, a lot of the... Uh, the amateur archivists of uh, Albany Hardcore looking for our stuff. That's so good. Thank so you. So the stuff we don't have, hopefully we will have by the time you hear this. We'll uh, we'll cut in with some gems from our past, including Once and for All. 
once and for a um, and if we don't have it then we don't have it and it's gone when you're hot you're hot so it's gonna be or if you're listening and you have like the fucking the molested demo then you know get at us with uh with an mp3 and we'll uh <laughs> we'll, we'll play it here I just want to let everybody know that we have passed 1,000 unanswered messages Is that on right? uh, Overnight Drive Jesus. right now. We're at 1,001. Fucking A. That's a momentous. And on, on the cusp of episode 40. Um, I think everyone's everything's really coming together. Should we just do 1,000 questions? <laughs> <laughs> the land of 1,000 questions. Oh, um, God. I think we should. We, I, I no doubt those questions are great. Even though we toil... Tumblr is a harsh, harsh mistress because we toil... And it takes me like hours to come up with a, a post, and um, we only get like four notes. You know, it occurred to me today that I hate doing that shit. <laughs> like, I really don't like because I feel when we have a Tumblr, I feel obligated to post on it, or like I feel like this you weird should, guilt yeah. that we've been posted on a, our Twitter. I hate that shit, and I'm doing something right now that's going to require like a social media presence. Going to be like. It's going to require having people follow it and, you know, whatnot. I need to just hire somebody to do my social media shit. Somebody who's like, listen, I will give you... I don't know. <laughs> like a non-job job. Yeah, like, I'll just... I'll give you 50 bucks a month. You know. If all you do is just once a day post some shit on my Instagram and have people like it and that's it. 50, and then, mm. yeah, 50 bucks a month I'm for doing nothing, for being on your phone? Like, fuck, you do that, you do your job in the subway? I think 50, I think for 50 bucks a month they should do it more than once a day. Think so? Oh, yeah. I would say, I felt like I was, uh, was maybe asking a lot there. Fuck, no, all right. because Market that's... pricing says that you should do it twice a day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know anything about that. I'm from a blue-collar background and I don't know about any of that new shit. <laughs> Or something. Uh, Hank Winkler looks fucking great. We are watching the movie Night Shift on silent as we uh, yeah. as we do this. <laughs> Shelley Long is. I want to go long. This is mid cheers. Shelley Long. She's have has a fucking big chip on her shoulder. She thinks she can make it in the movies. We all saw that worked out. Ah, uh, you know what? She was in this and she was in Money Pit. Money two Pit. home runs. You know what? Honestly, though, two comedic home runs. Mm-hmm. Side splitters. They had to call an ambulance for fucking, fucking the crowd <laughs> during night shift because that shit was. So, their people were laughing so hard they started a started choking on popcorn and b they left so much they couldn't breathe. Uh, the, there's a part in this movie. If this episode goes as long as it feels like it's going to yeah, at this point, really um, I'll probably point it out near the end where they're in the mayor's office and he grabs a tennis racket and he says, "You're not going to the mayor," or they're in the lawyer's office. You're not going to the mayor. <laughs> You're going to play tennis with God. (laughs) (laughs) Every time it gets me. Yeah, really good. (laughs) Shelly Long looks kind of like, and don't don't sound the fucking Jezebel here, but Shelly Long looks mad slutty in this movie. She's supposed to be a hooker. That's the whole trick. That's right. Okay, good. (laughs) Please don't, don't fucking, don't. Fucking well done costume designer. Yeah, don't unfollow us. The movie Night Shift, 1982, Warner Brothers. No, this shit's hot. If I saw Shelly Long on the track, I'd fucking pull over. What's Shelly Long doing now? I don't know. Not much. I mean, I bet she's sitting back on that Cheers money because they released the fucking grip of DVDs. Hey, you know what? I just I opened my browser to see uh, what Shelly Long is doing, and I realized I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the Wikipedia page for the TV series of Werewolf. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why? ran from uh, 1987 to 1988 because you had mentioned Chuck Connors. And I'm like, was Chuck Connors a werewolf? <laughs> <laughs> and yes, Chuck Connors was Chuck a werewolf. Connors. Chuck... The show follows the adventures of Eric Cord, a college student transformed into a werewolf who undergoes a quest to rid himself of his curse by killing the apparent or- originator of his bloodline, a drifter named Janos Scorsese, played by Chuck Connors. <laughs> Janos Scorsese, or well, Scorzani? Uh, Scor- uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Scorzani uh, was also the name of the vampire in, like, the first fucking the, the, the Night Stalker movie from the 70s. Well, that's great. Yeah. This, oh, shit I know. I'm super glad. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Otto Scorzani. You know, it's really weird. I actually have the entire Werewolf uh, series on on DVD and now on uh, on my Media Center computer. Yeah, I feel like I'm on like um, the MTA Command Center right now. I'm looking at so much technology. So if you guys want to come over and watch a, uh, a late 1980s fucking weird primetime bite of The Incredible Hulk, uh, you know, give me a shout. With featuring uh, real man <clears throat> Chuck Connors. Yeah. Speaking of 1980s, we're getting so far fucking off topic from these uh, these stories. We'll, we'll have to get back to it. Yeah, here we go. Um, Roundabout way. Anyone with Netflix, I really urge you to uh, to watch this movie. I think off the top of my head, I think it was called Evocator. Uh, it's the story of Morton Downey Jr. Mm. It is oh. so worth your time. It's so good, and it's funny because every when I was a kid, I always had memories of you know like Morton Downey Jr. and like Glow and all this shit. Oh yeah, these are things that when I watched the documentary later, it's a hundred percent accurate to my memory. Like I always like <laughs> blow things up in my mind and think it's gonna be weird, but no, Morton Downey Jr. was actually just this psychotic as I remember him. Which oh my is god, so nice! It's I, tremendous because I think the memories um, I have the same like even like I used to watch a lot of Channel Nine. And they'd have like, um, they'd have like the Joe Franklin show, like the Howard Stern television program, mm-hmm. and then uh, like, oh my god, yeah, and they have a like Glow, Glow wrestling, and the thing is, none of that stuff would ever happen today. No, it, no so way. That's why we have no other reference points. That's why it's so vivid in my mind. <laughs> the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, where women come out and do essentially foxy boxing, and there's nip slips, on like. CBS 6 at, like, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> like, after, like, 8 is enough. And then all of a sudden, Glow comes on. It's amazing. The beauty was, <clears throat> like, at that point, the over-the-air was still king, and cable was this weird kind of upstart. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if you lived in New York City in, like, the early 80s, cable TV was just, like, a bastion of lunacy. It was fucking insane. <laughs> it, was, it was wild ass. Yeah, it's, like, worth, uh, it's worth getting into a YouTube K-hole to oh, watch. Oh, definitely, yeah. Just like, type in New York, um, like, New York uh, public access. Seriously, like, fucking YouTube uh, the TV party TV show, and then just click all, like, the related links. Just You'll do it for hours. Oh, definitely. This talk. <laughs> Oh, wait, man, I can't with this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, we put on, like, uh... <laughs> Everyone should just put on Night Shift and watch it with us. Honestly, this is kind of like when you watch um, The Wizard of Oz while listening to The Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Listen to the Overnight Drive 39. Oh, or man. 41, this whatever. montage of him going to work at night, it just kills me. <laughs> Walks the wrong way down the stairs. <laughs> This is the least fun podcast for everybody listening. It's yeah. fantastic. It's great. Well, if you put on Night Shift about 10 minutes in, you're good. 
Right <clears> now, uh, Henry Winkler just swiped his or swiped his card, dropped his subway token in, and is going to work. And he's yeah. going down the stairs, and a beat. Oh, <laughs> subway just got out. Everyone's going. <laughs> Everyone's going up, which still happens. Which still happens all the time. Even though he's going to work at like eleven. Yeah, he's working the night shift. Right, but all, I don't think there'd be that many people at eleven o'clock. I couldn't see what station this was. Oh, it's Grand, Grand Central. Central. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wow, Miracle's a real shithole. Will we have a single listener left by the end of this podcast? I don't know. (laughs) God, I just just laughed and got whiskey of scotch in my eye. Perfect. (laughs) The trifecta of evil. All Um, right, so. Well, I'm pretty stoked that Sean Duty is around. Uh, I feel his his aura and his presence. Well, that that episode we recorded tomorrow was really good. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Yo, ever since I got, I have uh, have my OkaCupid up. And ever since I got into town, people have visited me nonstop. Is that right? And are you doing that Tinder thing here now too, or what? No, I don't have time. You you cut Tinder off, huh? No, no, I'll I'll do it here because I might have a chance here. But in Albany, it's no good. Albany, it's like um, uh, a lot of really young SUNY girls who like might be like scammers. I'm not sure. Here, like women are like, hey, you know, finally got heat in my building. Come on over. <laughs> yeah, you were saying you got a lot of weird uh, Brooklyn invites on the oh way my down. God. Here. I got a ton of Brooklyn. I got <clears throat> ever since, which is great. Uh, I love our listeners. Ever since I announced on Facebook and Tumblr that we're, I'm driving, we're go- we're going to be here. You know, they assumed either assumed or knew that I was going to be here. I got invited to um, a celebration of cat videos. Mm-hmm. Take that for what it is. I got invited to a Pratt party, which Pratt is an art school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my fucking wheelhouse. Those little, yeah. that young stuff. Man. Last time you were at Pratt, you uh, you picked up a woman. I did, and I fucking lived with her for two years. <laughs> yeah, maybe picked up is the wrong word. I, don't <laughs> I laid down four. I forgot Michael Keaton's in this movie. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if I should go to the Pratt party. No, I definitely shouldn't. I should sleep on this couch and get ready for, you know, whatever. For yesterday? For, get ready for, for last yes- week? Get ready for... <laughs> This is so, this chronology is fucking me up so bad. And just as a point of reference for everybody, we recorded next week's episode last week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and yeah. we, and, and episode 40 is, um, already, has already been released, but we're actually recording it tomorrow. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. I don't know why we decided, it's just like the same reason why we decide to use that old shitty mixer every time. Yeah, I, oh, fucking hate it's that It's the mixer. same reason why we're like, why don't we just do it in order, or not? Nope. Can... No, everything's going to be different, <laughs> everything's going to be harder than it needs to be. <laughs> because we had 38, 39, 40, but instead we did 41, 39, 40. Yeah, we I'm... recorded 38, 39, 42, 41, 40, and then 40... next week we'll record 43. Three. Oh, that Jesus fucking, fucking that makes Christ. me want to pour a tub and listen to Roxette. <laughs> <laughs> you got the look. Na, 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 na. I get real low, though. On the way I drive down here, I listen to, uh, which I um, urge everybody on in, uh, who's listening right now, uh, our ratings are way down, so all 80 of you, um, <clears throat> to listen to Fleetwood Mac's Tango in the Night album, uh, but download it on offliberty.com so you can download YouTube videos to mp3s on offliberty.com um, and download the entire album and just listen to one long mp3 that's what I did coming down here and it is like 
so awesome. And it was weird because I listened to it tw- twice through, and then all of a sudden, like, I was pulling into New York, and fucking Seven Wonders came on. And, like, you see the skyline in New York, and it's like... You had a real magic moment there. Oh, I had a I had a total magic moment, Andrew. Wow. Did you ever have a magic moment, dude? I don't know. Maybe not like that. Andrew, I want you to think back. <clears throat> When's the last time you had a magic moment? Is it scary that I can't think of anything? Is it like my sociopath? <laughs> What's going on? I'm say, not sure what to do here. Say, Andrew. <laughs> When's... When's the last time, yeah, you can't think of, well, how would you define a magic moment? I don't really know. <laughs> Did I just come up with a magic moment? Yeah, the last time I had a nice time traveling, I took painkillers and a greyhound and listened to one song over and over again. Um, should I answer this woman who wrote me on OkCupid <clears throat> about her heat being on and then I should come over? Yes. Where'd she live? Um, <clears throat> near Williamsburg on the north side. Okay. She's We're near Williamsburg on the north side. Yes, dangerous, unpredictable, scary Williamsburg. There's police tape, there's burning buildings in the distance. The sound of gunfire has become an ever-presence. The sound of explosions in the in the sky <laughs> have become an ever-presence. The sound of, actually, yeah, the sound of explosions in the sky has become an ever-presence. Actually, uh, Barry Obama flew over my house today. Did he really? Yeah. Was he flying in a, was he in a flying car? He was. You know, it was really weird. He I'll was in a DeLorean. You, he's like, I'll tell you what, man. That's my Barack Obama impression. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. We're unveiling the flying car today. Only with new rules. Imagine that. How would they regulate <clears throat> How would they regulate flying cars? I always wonder that because you know that scene in Back to the Future 2 where they're, they go and they enter the future. Like the future, future. Yep. And they're flying in a lane, like a highway, but it's in the sky. That always bothered me with uh, Blade <clears throat> right. Runner and, like, the Fifth Element. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I you mean, have to be, what, a certain altitude? It defeats the entire purpose of flying if you have to break because somebody in front of you breaks. Yeah. Like, that I mean, doesn't make any sense. It's, it might be the cop in me, but, um, like, how do you regulate that? I guess we're going to find out. I guess my accidental children's children will uh, will find out. <laughs> Andrew, do you think you'll ever have an accidental child? Um, I really hope not. It seems fucking awful. Put one past the net? Not like it. Having kids seems fucking awful. Seems really, really bad and really stupid. Sorry to all our parent listeners out there, but it all just seems them. so bad. It's, yes. it, it seems like such a nightmare. Like there's one day a year, Halloween... Where I'm like, oh, having a cool, having a kid for like two hours today might be kind of cool, sort of. Um, other than that, it's fucking seems really bad. Seems like a real raw deal. Like you just have to essentially be dead for twenty years, and then maybe you can like eke out some fun <laughs> later on down the line. You know, I found that out that um, ever since my I moved out of my folks' house for like the third time, like when I was thirty one. Then my parents started having fun. Yeah, so it's just fucking no good. My parents are like, oh, yeah, we went up to, like, the lake, and we stayed over for, like, two nights in a motel. Like, they're doing that, like, life in reverse thing. Yeah. Because you know they fucking... My, I don't know how my father does it, but you know they're doing something. <clears throat> you think they're doing some Craigslist shit when they just have a third party fucking uh, come along? I want you to... I want a third to, to so I can watch while you take <laughs> care of my wife. <laughs> Cuckolding. I get into some cuckolding, man. Is that shit? Sometimes that shit pays. Tell uh, tell this girl in North Williamsburg that I'm into cuckolding. I'll do it right now. Say, listen, call a man over. 
Yeah. Call another man over. Do I do that? I don't have a rep to maintain in Brooklyn at all. Let's get let's get a couple. I'm gonna write. This is the message I'm gonna write. <clears throat> let's get a couple guys together <laughs> and some wine. Let's do this. Let's see where it goes. Let's get a couple guys, some wine, and let's do this. Perfect. Send. No, I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, I wrote gays almost. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Some wine, some wine, and let's do this. <clears throat> You don't have to wait for me to uh, finish my message. I think it's, it's, it's dramatic. Okay. All and, right. Oh, I'm sending. Let's get a couple guys. Now, Andrew, if you were a woman, which I've imagined you many times, if you're a woman and a man wrote you, <clears throat> let's get a couple guys some wine and let's do this with, uh, with no punctuation. What would you say? I'd be open to it. You know, she looks wild. Uh, she's 30, which means she's down for whatever. Okay. Because if uh, 30 for a man is anything like 30 for a woman, you've thrown caution to the wind and you just want to rock and roll. I I hope this works out. I hope this gets weird. And then in last week's episode, you have a weird story for us. <laughs> Andrew, I'm staying on your couch tonight. <clears throat> what would you do if this woman came over and um, rode me? While I was on your couch, bed. you know, our we've got a, <laughs> a a railroad apartment, so we can get in and out through our bedroom. Oh yeah! So this room is all yours. You do whatever you need to do in here. That's really, really good. I'll remember that. I, I could get some, I could get some wild shit happening. <laughs> all right, so we're probably forty minutes in at this point to this episode. <laughs> well, okay, we let's get into it. Let's okay. do this shit. <laughs> all right. Here we go. You want to do this chronologically? How do you want to do this? Okay. You want to ping pong it? <clears throat> ping pong. Let's do it. Ping pong all of our musical treasures, secrets, uh, past desires, failed victories. Um, the Hiroshima to your Normandy beach. Yeah. Here we are. This is the musical embarrassment episode. It only took us 40 minutes and, Roughly. And some scotch to get us here. Because this shit is more embarrassing than episode 10. A- Andrew steers clear of any embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Mostly. But, uh, uh, open book that I am, this is very embarrassing. Although I will say, I, um, I was not in the most embarrassing bands in Albany. That was people we know. Yeah. And yeah. some continue to be. <laughs> yes. Sadly. All right, you start, Andrew. Okay, take it to the. Take well, it let's to the do top. this chronologically then. Fuck it. Um, the year was 1996. The year was yeah, might have been 1996 actually. Do you, would you prefer I do my Ira Glass voice? <laughs> my yeah, lead me in. The year was 1986, and 1986. <laughs> and Andrew Andrew was born. The year was 1996. <clears throat> Politics had struck the hardcore scene like you wouldn't believe. Bands like Nine Shocks Terror and Monster X were big at the time. I don't think they were yet. No? I know Monster X had their their moment. Listen, to that. Oh, once a crusty, always a crusty. So quick to cook, so quick to correct. See, I'm going, I'm going backwards. All right, all right. Never I'm mind. Going before that, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Then. I want to say, I want to say it was '96 when uh, I'd been in other bands, but like nothing. You know, major, and uh, me and uh, 
me and my friend Mike were playing Blades of Steel on Nintendo uh, for the uh, for the integrity of our fanzines. That was the uh, that was the, <laughs> the winner of this Blades of Steel game. <laughs> That's so nineties. It hurts. It, I just choked on my scotch. It hurts so much. Oh yeah, God. had the most sincere fanzine. Um, it's really good. I won by a point, and he flipped out and threw the controller and screamed. And my mother probably thought I had a fucking psycho in my house. Um, and Ooh. then we said, "Okay, fuck it, let's just start a band." Cool, just mm. like that. And I, it was weird because I, only I had a guitar; nobody else had anything. Uh, so, As all great bands start. Yeah, so that's how the molested came to be <laughs> yes um the molested okay. yeah tried to change the name to thought process later on then the line oh the molested stuck forever and that was it <laughs> thought process is such a good 90s crusty uh, yeah, band it really you is. would have been on the cover of slug and lettuce no question um so uh yeah it was uh jesus christ there was four of us i don't remember who <clears throat> played bass first I don't know if anyone played bass first. It might have just been guitar and vocals and drums. But the uh, the drums were, like, straight up, like, the drum set you get, like, a 15-year-old kid to, like, learn the on. Fisher-Price like, drums. Yeah, like, a step above the shit you buy Toys R Us. <laughs> and we didn't have a hi-hat stand. Damn, Henry Winkler fucks a lot in this movie. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we didn't have a hi-hat stand, so the guy Greg, who was playing drums just took his leather jacket and draped it over the top of a stand with no fucking no uh, shit in it. And then using a spike that's that was on his punk leather jacket, just put a symbol over it. And that was our <laughs> hi-hat stand. And we actually played shows in front of human beings like this. That's great. And we just all had practice amps. And we played our first show at Flipped Out Records. So I'm actually drinking out of the Flipped Out Records glass right now. Oh, wow. Um... Just using practice amps, and at one point, we asked somebody watching if they wanted to do a song, and they're like, uh, I could sing from back here and be louder than you guys. And so, yeah, it was, it was a real uh, a real dark scene. Um, so you sang? Uh, no, I didn't. I played guitar. Guitar? Yeah, okay. I, I played uh, my shitty Fender Squire guitar with the Dead Milkmen sticker uh, through my, uh, my Fender, like, I fucking... What were those amps? Like the gray carpet amps. Like the cheapest oh, looking Oh, the Fender M80. Oh, no, yeah. God almighty. Solid state, though. I solid, fired very up, solid I know, state. I fired up the Rock Pro the other day because I'm buying a $150 cabinet for it. Very nice. Shit works like a charm. As well it should. You fucking <laughs> can't kill them. I'm changing the, the tube, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm starting the end of your cover band. Me and Andrew are going to hit the road. Fuck. I'm going to play drums and guitar and sing, and Andrew's <laughs> going to play bass. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> um, so, thought process played. I don't know, maybe like twenty shows. Okay. Uh, released a demo and like a handful of other songs. I think went through two drummers, neither of which could play drums. Neither drummer learned how to play drums. D-beat. Not even DB because none of them could use the kick pedal. They just used their fucking their two hands. That was it. Oh, that's, um, like, that's like Chumbawamba. That's like mad experimental. It was, yeah. It, it, going a different direction, it might have been very interesting, but instead it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I said it was straightforward, in-your-face hardcore. Songs like... Oh, my God. We were just talking about this a few days ago. Uh, there was a, oh, there was a song called Sunshine Units, <laughs> where... 
the lyrics, I forget, there was a whole bunch of them, but then the chorus was actually, keep in mind we were at least 17 at this point, nuclear power, megalomania, two great tastes that taste like death together. <laughs> I want to blow my brains you out right are, now. You guys are fucking dorks. Yeah, really, <laughs> like super fucking dork music, oh like really God, bad. dude. Unbelievable. Um... And we did, on the, our demo, we did a Descendants <clears throat> cover. But oh my god, that is the worst. You know how I feel about the Descendants. You know what, though? Really, shades of my later life in trying to get weird shit done. We decided, since we did this Descendants cover, that we would write the guy from the Descendants and have him record an intro to it. And to his credit, he did. Like, it was before the Descendants Milo? got back together. Yeah, he's just like, oh, sure, and record wow. some fucking thing. Um, the demos of this are all long gone. No um, way. Somebody no definitely has them. I put up, you know, on on Facebook, I put up a call for them. Somebody <laughs> has to have one, and I'll try really hard to get uh, get some shit on here. But uh, I think the molested is probably uh, awesome. Probably lost the time. Andrew, how did you break up? That's the important part to every um, one of these stories. I don't know. I think, I think we broke up at punk bowling night. I remember punk bowling night yeah. at the Palladium. It, yeah, it was like super not a bad breakup at all. Like, I think I was living with Mike. We were just like, hey, you know what? This is this is just, it was fun and now it's kind of not. And then you... Uh... Um, and I was already in another band at that point. I was already in like two other bands at that point, I think. So Ooh, it just, well, it kind of... Well, I was already in, already in two other bands at that point. Two other awesome bands. Yeah, two other killer bands. Um, and yeah, I think the whole thing just sort of fell apart. Uh, cool. Our drummer, our second, our first drummer went on to, uh, I think he's like a chef. Seems happy. <laughs> uh, do you mean he cooks at a bar? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a chef. I'm a, a, you know, I love those fucking bars who are like, and come visit our grill where our board certified chef, Greg. <laughs> His name is Greg. That's fucking no, crazy. Oh my God. You no. nailed it. Knows how to put jalapeno poppers in the fryer later, man. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I just remember, uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I just did a, I pranked Walmart uh, a couple days ago. Prank called Walmart. And I asked if they had jalapeno poppers because I was in the mood for Spanish food. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you got it. I'm obsessed with this terrible Spanish voice. The terrible insulting culturally misappropriating you haven't called like, Colin Cowherd doing the fucking voice yet hey man you know I just want to take you on task on a couple things oh we've got uh, Ichiro one... Suzuki on the line here Ichiro are you there oh yeah man you know one time I was watching Carlos Mencia and everyone thought that I was crying but but my was crying I was laughing so hard the tears got on my gray sweatshirt and it looked like like cry like uh, I was laughing so hard that there was tears Oh my god! Dude. And then, okay. then I was in the mood uh, after a, <laughs> after the tough game against the Red Sox, man. On the way home, <laughs> I said, "Guys, the Spanish foods on me," and I brought them over. So jalapeno poppers, um, and and taquito, then fried taquitos. <laughs> so stupid hate my life anyway first drummer left second drummer i think left to start an internet company but it was before the internet so i don't think that ever worked <laughs> out i think he just decided he wanted to 
come off as rich. Um, and then me and Steve and Mike would go on to do not things together, but later on we will uh, our, our paths will cross again. And balls in your court. That was terribly embarrassing. The uh, ladies and gentlemen, the year was 1993. Uh, I was in a band called Catacomb, my first musical venture ever. It was not easy to get into this band. I'm not reading this off of a uh, <laughs> teleprompter. I just... God, Shelley Long is so hot in this movie. Um, there was this guy named... There's these metal dudes named uh, Jason Ramsey and Alan Minns. Jason Ramsey has gone on to work at a beverage center. Excellent. Alan has become a uh, physicist and makes Whoa. and less huge dichotomy and wealth in yeah. catacombs. And uh, <laughs> there I am, right in the middle, you know, putting away. You know, um, uh, Alan. Uh, last time I saw his Facebook, he was in Trinidad and Tobago, um, laying on a beach with a really tan girl. And last time I saw Jason's Facebook, he was complaining. That he has to pay child support to two women now. <laughs> so let that let that let that burn in like a like a brand on your ass. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I had to come over to his house and audition along to a Black Sabbath tape. Fuck out! Are you kidding? Yeah, me? <laughs> and it was like, well, you have to audition, and I'm thinking, okay, cool. I'm gonna go into the band room. We're gonna jam out. You know, have like a 30 minute jam. And then, you know, I'm going to go in the other room and they're going to talk about it. And then hopefully, like, like you know, if you're joining a band, that's pretty much how it goes still to this day. Um, <clears throat> but only now they'll, you'll leave the practice space and then they'll text you, like, immediately if they want you to join. Or they'll write you, like, a long Facebook message, like, yeah, dude, you know. We got, keep like, in a touch. Girl. Yeah, oh, yeah, keep in touch. We might need a tour guitarist. <laughs> you know, some fucking condescending, not that that's ever happened to me, but you know, some condescending fucking tour jargon bullshit. Um, back then, so I'm thinking, you know, it's cool. So I go over to his house and his father is very overweight. Excellent. Watching Seika in Paris on a Betamax player. That's not kidding. fucking dope. So if you ever watched uh, any of uh, S-E-K-A, Seika, she's one of the first porn stars ever. Seika really lost the time. Yeah, really lost time. Just like Savannah who blew her brains out because well, she Savannah, broke her nose. Like- People know who Savannah is, at least to the point where, like, there was, like, Rolling Stone articles about her and yeah. whatnot. Um, but, yeah, Seika, no one no one really feeling that. Unfortunately, because Seika knew how to do it. She was in some of those Emmanuel in Paris videos. And uh, I tell you what, that was some of the first, um, well, that's a long, really long, weird story that I may not ever tell. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had some of my first wanks to them, uh, alone and with others. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I go over and we go to his room. He's sharing it with his brother, Danny, who is a total jock and is sitting on the edge of his bed looking at us like we're total fags. <laughs> and he's throwing a basketball against the ceiling. Like they have a curved ceiling because it's like an attic room. Throwing the basketball back and forth and interrupting the music. So they fucking yell at each other. And then he leaves. But he throws the basketball through the open window with no screen <laughs> into the street. <laughs> kind of like uh, Bill Murray in Stripes when he fucking throws the win- basketball out the window after his woman leaves, which is one of the funniest scenes in the whole world. I'm glad, <clears throat> like, so good. Um, <clears throat> so I'm singing along to the Black Sabbath song, Warning, 
which is like the slowest, crooniest Black Sabbath oh, song. Oh, so you weren't even playing guitar at this point. You were just no, straight up. I was gotcha. straight okay. up singing. And, uh, holy shit. And I was like, I was born to love you, baby. And this Mr. Microphone that he has plugged into his boombox that oh, I'm singing over. So Jesus. it's like, so it's like, I was born to love you, baby. And it keeps feeding back like crazy. And, um, uh, I got the job, guys. Fucking so stoked. We're playing our first show in oh, two days. Holy shit. I have to have like this Michael McDonald joining the Doobie Brothers like marathon practice session with them to get all the songs down because we have a repertoire that includes... Uh, I just... <laughs> uh, this movie fucking rules. Um, <laughs> just wrote a, uh, Henry Winkle just wrote a street performer, a check. Amazing. Really underrated movie. Um... Um, so it uh, it comes to the point where we have to play we're playing at this place called Freddy's on Elm Street our repertoire includes For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica um, God what's that song by Megadeth you take a mortal oh man Symphony of Destruction and you put him yeah. in control watch him become, become a god, god. watch yeah. people's heads roll but the thing was Alan was like a hot shot he could really play and then we had a bass player named Rick Swift, who ended up burning his parents' house down, but that's <laughs> later on. Um, on purpose? The, or white, uh... Uh, eh, the whitest, whitest bass player, but typical, like, six-foot-six, white, dorky bass player okay. with, like, fucking wrist warmers on and shit. Jesus. Alan, who was a black guy, and played guitar. So automatically, everyone in my hometown hated us. Okay, makes sense. Because we had a black guy playing. But there's a bouncer, the bouncer at... Uh, the only reason why we got to play there is because they had like an open mic night for young kids, like youth. So they'd have like someone go up and play acoustic guitar, like morning is broken. And then they'd have like this band called H2O, no relation, oh. <laughs> that would do fish covers. And then we'd go up and be like, you take a model, man. And then, <laughs> But the thing was, it was great though, because we thought we were like the hottest shit. And, uh, we went up there. We've played a fucking the balls to play an hour and fifteen minute set of metal covers. Jesus Christ! And we're not even the last band on. <laughs> There's another band called Glyph who played like Green Day covers. Who were who anxiously awaiting, and they always brought the hot girls out because they like the hot girls who wear like size triple XL sweatshirts and everything. And um, I went up there. I made for the special occasion. God, Shelley Long is so fucking hot in this movie. Anyway. <laughs> God, if oh my God, I can't even look at her. She's so good looking. Um, sorry. Oh my God, so God. I gotta turn this off. <laughs> oh Unbelievably good. Um. Anyway, she. Uh, so the bouncer at the bar we called. The only reason why we were able to play there is because the bouncer looked exactly like James Hetfield, and he's like, "You guys a metal band." Totally out of the movies, right? You guys a metal band? And we're like, yeah. All decked out. <laughs> Our drummer Joel's mom had driven us there in her Honda Accord with the drums in the back. I was holding the bass drum in the back. Oh, God. And then, uh, because the only had one car, her mom's his mom's car, uh, a couple of other guys elected to walk there. So there was like a, we are like spaced out. Like, oh, if we had to go on right then, we couldn't, you know? And um, so we get in. On the you know the, on the good graces of Hetfield, and we go up and play, 
And the hippies in the back put on the jukebox while we're playing. Oof. And play like um, Grateful Dead songs. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And um, so we're like really good and we play like two of those shows and we think we are like the hottest shit. And then, so we decide that we're going to take, um, we're going to record a demo with this speed metal stoner named Tom Case. Only These names are so good. Like, yeah. Glens Falls really has some fucking great names. Tom Case, right? He played He played for a Doomsday, the thrash, the only thrash metal band from Glens Falls, Doomsday. And then, But then he joined a band called Camel Toe. Of course. So, what that, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to really, I'm going to capitalize on the success that I had with Doomsday. And transition right into Camel Toe, which played like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, really jumping on that train. Um, so we decided to record a demo with him. Uh, our bassist, Rick Swift's mother was going to pay for it. Um, but they have a falling out halfway through and we're unable to pay Tom case. So he holds on to our precious demos for two weeks until I can convince my father to pay for it. Oh, Jesus. And my father, who isn't isn't super jazz, and I'm playing in a metal band, although he's very music. He's where I get all my musical talent from. Take that, take that for what it is. I don't know. <laughs> he's where I get. He's where I got my ear for music. Anyway, um, multi instrumentalist. My father. He could have definitely played in Gogo Bradello. He plays the bagpipes oh, as well shit. as uh, the accordion, the guitar, other things. Um. So we record our demo, uh, and we name it uh, Summon the Fools. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, the lyrics are, Summon the Fools on High, Never give, never Let Them Know That You Lied. Uh, oh, God. And remember, the, remember I used to play that riff still? I was going to say, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Was it Catacoma at this point, or Cat- was it still was, Catacomb? Well, we have briefly had this kid, this guy named um, Eric Hammer. Eric Hammer. I know. Fucking Tom Case. Tom Case. What's the summon Swift? Like, oh, man. Yeah, Rick Swift. Now, these are all like names at Essential Casting. It's great. This is Eric Hammer. And he played bass because after Rick Swift's mom couldn't pay for the recording. And we had all that drama with a uh, legend, Tom Case. Yeah, get the fuck out, man. Who drove the Doomsday van still, even though he wasn't in Doomsday anymore. And the graffiti all over it. And they played like... Albany a couple times and that was like that might as well have been a million miles away and we're like fuck that Rick Swift's uh, liability to our career seriously so and and to our homes apparently yeah so we got Eric Hammer who every day of his life wore a long sleeve typo negative shirt excellent and we're like we don't know about Eric Hammer because he's into dark stuff and it's not really metal Uh, plus uh, Peter Steele's in Playgirl and that's gay So we had like a meeting about that and we decided as long as nobody, you know, as long as he doesn't wear the typo negative long sleeve. So, okay, cool. All right, fine. Eric Hammer, learn the songs. Great. Shows up the phrase on Elm Street, wearing the fucking typo negative long sleeve. Fucker. So I take him in the the banquet room and I say, dude, you got to change your shirt. (laughs) You have to either turn it inside out. And he's like a chubby guy. Right back then, I was tight. I was playing football. I was doing karate. I was running. Svelte. Svelte. I was felt, and I had like you know shit going on. I was looking good. Better, you know. I look. I probably 
didn't uh, realize how good I looked back then. Hmm. Getting all wistful, teary-eyed <laughs> about my former self. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, dude, do what you got to do, but we don't need, we don't want to be represented that way because the rest of us, had, I had a Slayer shirt on, you know, fucking real metal, Metallica, Carcass, you know, not typo negative. That's 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 you know, it's for girls, it's for girls. So uh, Eric Hammer elects to not wear a shirt. Okay. Eric Hammer is uh, five foot eight, weighs about three hundred pounds. Fucking a. So immediately, and this there may be video of this, but immediately um, we are laughed at and continued to be laughed at by a man wearing. At one point, I remember looking up, and a man wearing a Lifestyles condoms T-shirt was looking was laughing at us, <laughs> surrounded by with a girl on either side of him. <laughs> and I realized then that I may I may have made a made a left turn. I may have zigged when I should have zagged. Oh, catacombs! Does the catacomb demo still exist somewhere? Uh, it does. Excellent. Uh, get it's that on. Here. It's on. It's definitely on Warbly cassette at this point, but Perfect. it definitely exists. Also, I ran into my friend Scott Gazillo a long time ago, and he has a catacomb video. Oh, that's fucking awesome! Yeah, awesome. All right. Of that day, actually, with the kid wearing the. Um, the Lifestyles Condoms t-shirt. That's so fucking good. All right, he's got to put that shit up on YouTube. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, we got to get that, oh, uh, that demo in here. And uh, there was also a song uh, a song called See Ya Later. And the song, the lyrics were, Hello, Suicide, My Old Friend. Ooh. It's awful nice to contemplate you again. Oh, yeah. Another person has wronged me. Fuck. It's all coming to a clear end. I remember those lyrics 20 years later. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Catacoma, I, I need to remember. Um, they Catacoma broke up because our practice space was in Rick Swift's house, which is also great and also so high school because we still practiced at Rick Swift's house even though we kicked him out of the band. That's fucking fantastic. Which is so good. Is that your girl fucking getting at you? Uh, well, it might be, might be party time excellent here. Um, uh, nope. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, no, no Pratt party. Some but, bullshit. um, yeah. But so we just were like, fuck it. We all went our separate ways. Um, they, that's when, uh, they started Catacoma, which ended up becoming uh, a band called Hunnic Lapse at some point with uh, a new girl named Kathy who played like Joe Satriani style guitar, who was like a virtuosic guitar player. And who I ended up dating, but we didn't know we were dating because we had mutual friends tell each other that each other liked each other, but we didn't really like each other. So when we'd see each other in the hallway, we'd pass each other without talking because we didn't know what the deal was. (laughs) But any, but, but our other, our, our individual friends told us, yeah, Kathy's like going to date you. And then she'd run back and say, yeah, Hans from Catacomb, because that was my name. Hans from Catacomb wants to date you, so you guys should date. And then they'd run back and say, Kathy wants to date you, and I'd say, cool. And then they'd go back and say, Hans from Catacomb wants to date you, and she'd be like, awesome. And then my friends would then spread it around that we're dating. Jesus. Without us actually talking. Fucking weird town you come from. I come from a weird town. We should do an overnight drive from Glens Falls. I agree. Shit. From a hockey game at Glens Falls. We're going to have Labatt Blue on ice. Jesus. 
um, yeah, so that's uh, that's my first band. All right. Very awesome. What about you, pal? The uh, ball's back. Throw the ball back to you. All right. This one, I think this one potentially probably the worst one. <laughs> um, Where's a catacomb? Come on, dude. At least for me. <laughs> the uh, so the during the molested, I uh, as as when, every good good story <laughs> should start during the molested. When the molested <laughs> happened, it was this sort of resurgence of like the real like. DIY scene like real like fucking VFW hall style shit that hadn't happened in Albany in a couple of years um so all of a sudden there was all these new people showing up you know like it was weird you would do a fucking god bless pre-internet worlds where you would just do a show at a VFW hall 20 miles from your house just because a band asked you to and you had you were like you were like 16 you're like yeah sure I guess we'll do that sounds great um, and then have like a hundred people you don't know show up yeah like a very weird just oh god very very weird time um, but there was a band from, uh, I can't remember the town. It was way out in like the, the real stickish part, like over by like the Vermont border. Um, Granville, New York. We'll say Granville. It's really from like fucking out there, uh, named Drip. I remember Drip. Yeah. Oh my God. They... So. Well, oh, okay. Sorry. Well, you know what? I had the Drip demo. So right good. there. So we'll play some of that shit later. Very good. They uh, they made their cassettes at like a kiosk in the mall. Yeah, uh, really, really good. Uh, each what kiosk in the mall would let you make copies. Yeah, you know. uh, each song was a bad title, but also happened to be the title of like a very like way more famous song, like Teenage Riot. You know, it was just like really, really, really out to lunch. Out. I remember exactly. It's awesome in that. They, these dudes were so unplugged from anything that was going on that it was like bizarrely genuine. Yeah. Um, so I started to uh, hang out with the guy who sang in Drip. Really funny dude. I actually talked about him in a, a podcast not that long ago. <laughs> very, very funny guy, but really like... Uh, uh, like real backwards kind of dude. Um, and yeah, we uh, when Drip imploded... Because the bassist and drummer got married and got really into Jesus. <laughs> uh, bassist and drummer are also two very, very unattractive people. <laughs> it's like a real scene. It was great. Um, I totally remember. Yeah, drip, man. No, because the bassist and drummer, man and woman team, right? Mm-hmm. They went on to play for Think Again. Yes, with the guy who joined Drip and actually helped them implode, and then he stole them to do Think Again. Oh, what a... Uh, which... I guess reach some sort of regional success, I guess. This has been your upstate New York punk scene. Yeah, primer. seriously. <laughs> uh, I think me and that dude almost came to blows once, and then I recorded a record for them years later. Some Nick, weird shit. Yeah. Nick Social. Yeah. Totally remember. Um, so, yeah. So that whole thing happened, and 
uh, me and Spencer, the guy, the odd man out from that, uh, started Police Line. Oh, awesome. And it was me, it was him, it was... Um, I'm having trouble with Homeboy's last name. Uh, another Greg, who uh, did a like a a pretty like well done zine for some shit you would do for uh, from Kinkos. Um, he he was playing bass. Nice guy, like very very soft spoken guy. Uh, and <laughs> then we got I don't know how it ended up. Uh, we started playing with uh, Paul Henry who was the only person who could play drums in, like, a 50-mile radius. Like, I don't understand how he was like, yeah, sure, I'll play with you yokels. You know, it was, like, a fucking weird scene like that. Um, Perfect. I think his band had just imploded, too. It was just one of those things. We, got like, just played in his basement, and it just somehow, like, worked. It was just it's so stupid, but it just <laughs> kind of came together. Uh, recorded four songs that I would love to find so that were on a... Uh, <laughs> On like a four track in his basement. Oh, God. At one point, we used broken headphones as a microphone. Like it was just like it was <laughs> one of my my finest moments with that shit. Somebody definitely has the cassette out there. Oh yeah. Uh, played a show in Plattsburgh and like got into a fight with another local band about some bullshit. Like they had like a swastika in their guitar case, and we decided we were going to call them out for Is some. That the shit. same band who much later on detained you for wearing a screwdriver shirt no no different totally totally different thing this is the erotics band that's still around in albany plays like <laughs> oh, bar i just rock. almost I lost would... consciousness yeah. hearing about the erotics <laughs> i don't even know you're gonna have to google the erotics and fucking fall down that just imagine hole. a band that is the worst yeah <laughs> yeah good call <laughs> yes. um if nikki six just lived at your local bar that's what uh, that's what this is um so, yeah, that whole thing happened. We played a couple shows. It was a lot of fun. And, uh... I don't know how Sean Duty got into the mix. <laughs> but Sean Duty made it into the mix, I think... We said the same thing about End of a Year. Yeah, he just and he <laughs> like, ended up in there somehow. We're like, a week in the tour, we're like, how did Sean Duty end up in the mix? I think Ooh. maybe was he playing bass or maybe he was playing second guitar so spencer would just sing i don't remember exactly how sean that he made it in uh the previous episode we'll ask him um <laughs> so somewhere along the way spencer very very prone to depression and poor decision making and all this shit decides i don't know like two months into doing this that he's joining the army <laughs> so he just goes he joins the army and we're like oh fuck move. now what yeah. um, and at this point me and Sean are getting into some real dumb shit we're getting really into like fucking nausea and like all this fucking crust punk shit I uh, like Police Line was just like a kind of a shitty fun punk band but then things started to get real weird you know getting into conflict not the fucking action but the actual stupid band conflict um and, yeah, Police Line takes a really fucking rough turn. Uh, we start looking for vocalists. No one's really doing it. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I just decided, all right, well, fuck it, I'm going to sing. <laughs> and a really fucking bad decision was uh, was born. And the rest was... The rest was very and, much history. And the rest was Albany Hardcore History. Now... Let's pause Night Shift for a second. Mm, here we go, guys. I actually have some police <laughs> line here. 
So let's just sit back and enjoy this shit. Oh, God. This is going to be... Take me back. It's going to be so good. This sounds called I don't bucks. think um, a thousand bucks. Or... Thousand bucks. We'll talk about it. None of us don't talk, but none of us really talk. Aside from me and Sean Duty, everyone's kind of gone off. No, no, no. It would be like a total jobber, and then like I would play this. I would play like show. second to five. All right, I'll, I'll call him tomorrow. Andrew, because you're my friend, I, I don't. I'm not trying to <laughs> laugh as much as I want, or like razz on this as much as I want to. But I remember sitting in, in uh, our mutual friend Liz's truck while she's smoking in the cold weather, listening to this and thinking, of, and she, and her thinking it's like the best thing on earth, and me wanting to jump into the bed of the truck and jump off in traffic. So bad. And the worst part is this is one of the songs from the Spencer era, but his lyrics are way worse than mine, so I had to like rewrite it. And, like it's so bad. Oh my god, this is killing me. Oh my god, this is so bad. Oh, Holy is... shit. This is um... So yeah, we recorded that at DMS Studios in Albany with Arthur Scott Burner. Actually one of the best recordings. I think I've done like it actually came out really well for a bunch of fucking yokels with practice amps. Uh, sure is punk. Uh, yes, yeah, super punk. Uh, I believe that same session we recorded an Operation Ivy cover. <laughs> That's a real I'm thing. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you know that's a mark of a great band. Remember when yeah. we even when we would tour, they'd be like, "This next song's an Operation Ivy cover," and we would like. Run for the door. Yeah. Run for like the closest Burger King. So that happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Police Line got progressively worse. Police Line was actually funny in that we released a demo that uh, regionally was pretty well received because yeah. it was like that. It was just like punk music. There was nothing, you know, special about it. It was no, no one was really doing it quite like that around. Yeah, of course. No, you guys. Um, so you you just pegged yourself as innovators. Yeah. So, three different people offered to put out records, and we're like, fucking, this is awesome, this is cool. We're really taking it to the top. Uh, and we went and we did uh, a recording of what essentially would have been an LP's worth of songs, but it was three EPs yep. in this studio in the middle of nowhere with these two morons, like these two absolute idiots. Uh, and it came out fucking terribly. Great. And between that and the fact that since we'd recorded this and to that point... We'd gotten way over the top into like fringe politics and like, well, not even fringe politics, but like <laughs> and for shit for that time, like fringe politics, like fucking, <laughs> uh, uh, like freedom for Chiapas, you know? <laughs> yeah, basta. <laughs> like, oh, totally. Basta. All of this oh, shit. I remember all that so shit. So fucking bad. And we handed all these labels, these tapes, and all three labels were like, uh, no. Uh. <laughs> no, sorry, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Ooh, that's like one the... person begrudgingly put out a one-sided seven-inch. 
<laughs> you definitely have me beat. Oh, masters of not reading between the lines at all. We fucking pumped away at this for Jesus Christ. Like, this was still a band after 9-11. Yeah. Not long after, but, like, I specifically remember recording my song about 9-11. Oh, my God. That I think is lost. I think the most recent Police Line record is lost. I think everyone threw out their copies and... Do you remember uh, yeah. local Albany band Endicott? I do. Saying a song about 9-11? I don't remember that. It had something to do with the towers falling. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. There was a lot of bad hyperbole going on. At that there was, point. <laughs> and the towers fell to the ground. I remember there was a roadhouse out near the airport, which is always a good place to see a show, and they had like a nine eleven benefit. Oh. And that brings us to Lucas. Perfect. <laughs> there Where... is. I could actually tell the police line story all night, and I would probably kill myself at the end of it. Uh, so let's. Let's pass it to Lucas. If okay. I think of any more of that shit, I'll uh, I'll spit it out. But uh, well, Lucas started yeah. innocently enough. Lucas, Luke, L U C A S, like the name. Like if you have a nerd film name, Lucas. blocking things out <laughs> so I don't remember a ton but I do remember that we sure were darn serious for a while and I remember that a lot of Heinies got hurt at the end I of, recall this was not of, my scene at all but it was big enough that I remember it god it was a lot of red butts mm-hmm. oh my it was huge the, it became like like have you ever I, I know some of the people listening are in a scene small enough that if any ripple happens has such traction that everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. Drama. My first, my introduction to hardcore drama. Uh, innocence. Lucas started innocently enough. There was um, a local impresario, um, warrior poet, uh, remain nameless. Decided that, um, well, he was in a band with my main man. Scott Gazilla, who I love. Uh, they were in a band named Raph, who were very bad. Um, try as they may, they were they were shit awful. They really went for it. They, <laughs> they uh, were really uh, going for in it. In retrospect, they were shit awful. Uh, regionally, regionally well liked. Regionally, people would. Uh, I remember now the um, the passion that people exuded during I guess maybe oh there's some tits in this movie looking so good um I remember that 
this was at the time like remember like more than music fest where bands oh, yeah. would just fall to the ground mm-hmm. this was like on the tail end of that where bands would s- sound like emo metal yeah everything's with, like mosh parts together in yeah. this really bizarre way it's so weird it's like all of a sudden everything in the 90s like went and like collided into each other like yeah. kind of like a chain reaction accident where there's like eight cars, and each car represents a different different musical genre, but all of a sudden they're accordion together. Um, kind of like a human caterpillar <laughs> of shit. So you have an emo band with with emo caterpillar. with emo lyrics. And then you but you also have mosh parts and you have thrash parts, but then you also have slow parts. And you have screaming, but no singing. Yes. And I'm... the, or alternately, you have, yes. Uh, this I, must I'm... sound like lunacy to people who've never experienced. This must sound like insane, or maybe not, because <laughs> no. actually, modern hardcore sounds like the most insane mismatch, like mishmash of bad ideas. So it's possible that this but is still what people modern do. hardcore now has the benefit of being so blandly ninth wave generic that everything sounds the same. Yeah, and you you true. go there knowing it's kind of like going to Pizza Hut. It's like <laughs> I know exactly like from from my youth I know what this tastes like, and sometimes you're like fuck it. Like tonight on the road driving down, I was like, damn, I'm hungry. I'm going to go to Quiznos. Oh, you did it, <laughs> and I know exactly. What Quiznos tastes like, and I went in, and I was like, "Nope," <laughs> and I walked back mm-hmm. out. Uh, I bought like a bottle of water, and I walked back out, and I'm like, "No way!" Um, thankfully, Andrew, being the good host he is, had delicious food waiting for me. Damn straight. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and I'll remember that for next time. But anyway, so this band was this band uh, was not good, and they broke up. They broke up in a blaze of glory. Uh, broke up in fisticuffs. Is that right? Yes. Wow, okay. With the drummer and the guitarist. I occasionally run into the guitarist while I'm at the guitar store playing. So that's what I do sometimes. And he uh, tries... Uh, this is why I don't like Albany a whole lot. It's because it try to talk about the old days. Dude. Like, do you remember, like... That house party that one time where somebody lived there and then they played in the basement and the cops came <laughs> and then someone made muffins but they forgot and they let and, and someone and made muffins but they, they forgot. forgot and then they burned up and someone threw the landline phone out the window that time and I'm just like I don't it sounds like a wild time but I don't remember any of it like it was almost like I lived in a different city. Um, and that's not me being a dickhead. I just don't, I and mean, I've done so much living since then. As you know, anyone who tries to live a full life is done. You, you don't remember a lot of what you did. Yeah, correct. When you were like, <laughs> and some things you block out. Yeah, when you're like 22, 23, 24, you don't remember. <laughs> I forgot that they have an I'm cool license plate. <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> I like that this movie always has the live version of Jumpin' Jack Flash playing because the real version was way too expensive yes. to license. So good. Anyway, um, I'm gonna pop a beer here. Um, sure. Oh, did I steal your beer? I'm sorry. No, no, okay, good, great. Um, getting off topic as usual. All right, so all right, so okay, wrath so, implodes. Wrath implodes. Tears are shed. Uh, the Albany music scene is put on its ear for the moment because this band is 
you know, it's kind of like if the if um, you're in Liverpool as the Beatles are about to break the um, granite ceiling that is the music industry worldwide, and then they break up. And imagine it to being in Manchester and, and waking up and discovering that um, uh, what's the fuck that dude name Ian Ian Gillen. <laughs> Yeah. Joy Division dude has hung himself, and then you are, are, are left with nowhere to turn. That yeah. is, Did that you was call the him Ian Gillum. Yeah, the dude from the fucking <laughs> Deep Purple. <laughs> Found that Ian Gillen has joined Joy Division, taking over for uh, you know Gary Larson, the dude who wrote um, <clears throat> the 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 Far Side. <laughs> Joy Division vocalist and Far Side cartoonist <laughs> Gary Larson. <laughs> I, I I decided if I can't remember somebody's name, I'm just going to plug in the first name I can think of, and it was Gary Larson for some reason. <laughs> Stephen King. Right. Stephen King on drums. Um, I love Curious Cat. Um, so you can imagine that was the climate on Lark Street in Albany. People were wandering, dazed look in their eyes. It's not kind of like when you uh, you see a movie and like a bomb goes off and one person's just walking out yeah. in a daze. Yeah, exactly. It's like if um, <clears throat> you've got that, a lot of people have the thousand yard stare, people just staring down to their beer, wondering um, where to turn next musically. Who will fill this vacuum? Who will fill this, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> precisely. It's like, yeah, you understand. <laughs> so, up, up step us. Up step us, yeah. Uh, Scott and I decide because we were. Um, Scott was in a band called uh, FAS, Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, before Wrath. Okay. Um, I was in a band, a hardcore band, but I forget the name of it. My very first hardcore band that didn't even record anything, so I they don't count. Uh, so <clears throat> we decide that we're going, you know, because um. Scott not being a fool decides he's going to recruit um, the singer of Wrath for our new band um, we also decide that um, I see now this is like part this is something that I blocked so far out of my mind <laughs> like it's one of those things like you, you like it's like an old apartment you don't remember what it smells like you don't remember what it really looked like it's like but I'm forced now to remember um, it's so goddamn long ago. Uh, okay, so we start practicing. I remember we oh we, we oh god we recruit friend of the podcast Nick Ace to play drums. Now he's local local hero. He Were played, you on guitar or vocals at this point? I was on guitar. Okay, at that point, guitar only. The singer. What? The singer, the singer from Wrath had it on lockdown. He had the lyrics were written. Um, the spirit was soaring. There was much, much ado, <clears throat> much hype. Um, we, uh, Nick Ace was uh, young and eager to play in a band full of titans. We also recruited. A woman bassist named Lauren. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Forgot about her. Okay. She was, uh, later on became a DJ and then an IT person uh, in her later life. Um, <clears throat> so we have our first practice and it is magic. 
There are people waiting outside, reporters, local and national news. There are um, women and men waiting to get a glimpse, listening at the door to our new songs that are um, that are rough, <laughs> but are are uh, ready, poised to take Albany by storm for a second time. Um, <clears throat> I hope everyone knows I'm being really sarcastic. <laughs> Just <laughs> I'm thinking about how many times, because I feel like this is all old hat to us. Like we've told these two stories forever, for eight years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, like I, the rise and fall of Lucas is something I never get tired of listening. I'm to. sure the story's been told in many bar rooms across the country, many different ways, and many uh, it's been told now to children um some people have had children who are old enough to understand now we have sat them down on a sunday afternoon uh after after a game of catch um or i I go on a sunday drive and they say i think it's about time i think you're old enough to know the lucas story (laughs) um the time (laughs) so we we get our songs together Uh, one of our first show, we opened for the band, um, band from Canada. Uh, I think it's Iyer. We oh, opened for Iyer. Yeah, I was way in Iyer. I think we opened for Iyer, as, as will be shown later. Yes, <laughs> we opened for Iyer and a few other. Oh, we opened for Iyer and uh, Struggle for Existence, another great local band. <clears throat> uh, I don't know who's listening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Every band that is brought up here, I have copious notes on. <laughs> I know. You know? <laughs> it's like, I can't in I good conscience. Like, yeah, I, I just, just think it's interesting. I always love hearing other scenes' funny stories. Yeah. So I think people will appreciate this. Um, <clears throat> so we, we open. I, that is the debut of the Pink Guitar that I bought specially, especially for this occasion. And we um, we weren't very good. Although I, I did jump up and down a lot. Was this at the QE2? No, this was at uh, the Junior College of Albany, oh, which nice. is now Sage College. Um, conveniently, the singer also went there and lived in the dorms. Oh, easy. So he merely walked a few steps and picked up the mic <clears throat> and um, spit spit wisdom into... Uh, was this well-received or no? Uh, it was well received in the way that you would, re- uh, like you want to like it. Plus, you want to garner favor. Okay. Um, the singer at the time was a uh, a who's who. Um, I'm unaware of his status at, at present. Um, but he is at the time he was a uh, like I said he was an empresario. He was a ex member of which carried a lot of which had a lot of carriage. In uh, the 90s. Uh-huh. Like, way more than it does now. If you were an ex-member of... Like, I love the ex-member bands that are like the drummer. Yeah. My I, you don't see that as much anymore. <laughs> no, but it's like ex-members of, you know, Courage at Night. <laughs> and then you have like, oh, it's the second drummer from Courage at Night. Yeah, Courage at Night. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name for a band. That's like a crossover, like emo slash hardcore crossover band. 
Okay, so Lucas, um, we decided we need to step up our step up to get our fucking rep up. So Singer does some legwork. Singer and I work together at a Kinko's. That's fucking right. I forgot about yes, we that. Do. Okay. Uh, but there's trouble brewing. Ominous clouds are pretending a storm. The local political hardcore band Lariat has asked me to join them. And oh my god! <laughs> and yeah, and the singer is none too pleased because we are about to record <clears throat> at John Chiara's studio on Central Avenue. Yes, I hate that place so much. Uh, this this is, can't still be there. Can no, it? this that is not. It's been oh. knocked down, and the um, the Linda Theater is there now. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so. In the midst of this, I Lariat plays a tuning that is um, not uh, applicable to human existence. No, it's uh, it's it was like drop L. Yeah, drop L. Annoying on purpose. So of course I couldn't play it. Uh, I walk by the singer talking to the singer. I walk by the singer of Lucas uh, as at work talking to the singer of Lariat on AOL Instant Messenger on his break from work on the computer. And I read over his shoulder that the singer of Lariat said that I was terrible at guitar. Okay. A grudge that I held for many years. I bet that dude listens and fucking just fumes. Unspoken. Because we later on shared a band, uh, Burning Bridges. Yeah, you did. We did. Um, But uh, that's that's for another episode. Maybe. Or maybe this episode. Yeah, I think probably this episode. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> and now, um, this could be a two-parter. And so I'm I'm steaming because I think, well, I've been betrayed. <laughs> A2 A- Wrath, singer. Um, A2 Brute. I can't believe that I've been betrayed by two scene stalwarts. The twin towers of the scene, the pillars, have... Banded together to tell me that I am lousy at guitar. So I decide, not only am I going to play guitar for Lucas, but I'm also going to sing. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. And I'm going to say... I knew you sang. I didn't know that that was the uh, the impetus. I, I learned something new every And time. I, at the time, I, at that, during that summer, I had seen Small Brown Bike play. <laughs> small Brown Bike. Everyone oh. saw Small Brown Bike that summer. Small Brown Bike. And oh. every band started to sound like Small Brown Bike. And also, um, what's another? What's that other fucking completely... Uh, Planes Mistaken for Stars. Oh, fuck. Uh, Hot Word Music, of course. Um, and, you know, and I started wanting to do that kind of music. <clears throat> so we released a demo that has two of... Two... Well, actually, we recorded John Chiara's uh, studio... He has a like a, an old white compact PC computer running everything, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the session, it's so hot in there that the computer keeps shutting off, <laughs> which is amazing. He's using like an IBM business processing yeah. with like a green screen. It's really weird. So we record our demo. Um, it is. Uh, I can see Shelly. I can see Shelly Long's nipple. This is amazing. Um. Um, this is where it starts to get hairy, and I hope I'm not taking too long, but I love this. Um, I hope to recite this in front of 
uh, an audience at my Nobel Prize acceptance. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're recording. Uh, I write the lyrics to my song. Unbeknownst to the singer. Oh, fuck. Not only that, but he does not get final cut or approval on my lyrics. This is a problem for him because he, there is, there is becomes friction tape between us. In a way, <clears throat> there is um becomes a sand um, in the pussy of end of of uh, <laughs> of Lucas um, because he's a singer and he needs to create all the lyrics, which makes sense. It's his personal brand. It's his personal brand. I'm infringing on his brand. It's like if Coke, Coke doesn't have black cans; they have red cans. Um, Pepsi's red, white, and blue, not red, white, and yellow. Look at let's get that straight. Lucas is fronted by me, not you. Let's get that straight. This is what I'm getting. This is the feeling I'm getting. Um, <clears throat> but now I do it anyway, and we put it out. He adds. Some rudimentary supplemental screams um, in the spaces that I have created, like the logical, like first chorus, verse. It's like verse, and then right before I go to chorus, he's like, yeah. that's that kind of thing. Oh, um, <clears throat> oh God. <laughs> this is a journey, my friend. I've never told this story. Uh, this is from the horse's mouth. Um, so, sadly, um, weirdly, uh, much like Pol Pot overthrew the government in Cuba, uh, Cambodia, sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it's midnight and that slipped through for a second. Yeah. A coup of sorts, because... The demo is received well, and we are on top for a moment. We are the new band in town, and people are starting to bark up our tree. However, the conventional wisdom is that, hey, who's that guy singing the last song? He sure does have a set of pipes. Uh, <clears throat> um, well, it's me this guy and I, I'm singing okay and I'm singing I'm doing my best Chuck Reagan impression and our, our the last song is like what have we done with the years really good we gotta find this shit so good we gotta find there, this uh, shit there are, there are numerous people out there who have it no question I'm gonna check my Facebook messages <clears throat> see who got back to me about these things please do um so uh we continue to play continue to play continue to play Scott Cazillo moves to Gloversville oh no to Schuylerville which is about uh, 50 miles north in the interest of keeping the band going we decided that Nick Ace should drive us to every practice get the fuck out 50 miles one way north to a um, <clears throat> at that time I have purchased a Marshall JCM 950 watt head which I had stolen out of my car. But before that, um, 
We started to sound really good. But there was a burning, burning feud going on between the singer and I. Because we were friends. Not only that, but I had taken his girlfriend as my roommate. Adding. Really? Okay. Adding to the tension. Very much a... Not in a sexual way, but very much adding to the tension of, um, you know, the whole thing. He lives across the street and down. We live down the street from him. And I live, I think, eight houses away at this point. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's there every day. We start talking about band stuff. Um, However, um... So we try to record again. In the meantime, we score a headlining, or not a headlining gig, but we open for Vision of Disorder. Okay. In 2000. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they do play that song, uh, What's up with this world? What the fuck? I can't breathe. Remember that song? I do. VOD. Yeah, they're really good. I'm from Long Island. I had to deal with VOD my whole life. And we also did have a song that we dubbed Sexual Werewolf. Um, my guitar playing was not great at the time, but um, I started doing backup vocals, and that was a problem. <laughs> that was a problem. Also, his girlfriend one time said... I did because we had a, we had a live recording that we did because of course we recorded that off the soundboard, and we're like, oh, this is great. We're gonna put it. Out. We're gonna put out a twelve inch L Eep LP live at oh, Valentine's. Fucking Jesus! Um, <clears throat> it comes comes with a uh, free thirty eight uh, caliber revolver to <laughs> shoot yourself with. Uh, no, I can't be negative. This was a great band. Um, high high test, high caliber um, band. Really good. And so we, um, his, to the point where his girlfriend on a grocery shopping trip one day says, I didn't know you sang in that part. That's not, you don't sing in that part on the record. Why did you sing it live? Get the fuck out. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was weird. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a little weird. Wow. So obviously she's protective of her man. I get that. His... His reputation as a, as a vocalist. Um, we keep going. We decide to play a pizzeria outside of Philadelphia as a one-off show. So we rent a expensive van and bring people from Albany down with us like our built-in crowd we also have (laughs) yeah uh, for a pizzeria we also have um we also have a lot of gear like a ton of gear of course like a metric ton of gear like a lot of gear (laughs) and so we play and it's not very good well there's actually video of this too (laughs) Oh, excellent. Which I, I wish um local person who I, I actually enjoy his company when I see him, Tony Federici, has recorded all, all these 
videos, and I hope he, rec- he re- uh, releases them someday. But, um, so, then it gets a little hairy, because our bass player quits. Lauren. I remember this vaguely. She's She's had it. <clears throat> she wants to play finger bass. And I think that's a really bad idea. <laughs> she started listening to uh, the band Gorillaz had just come out. Oh, fuck. Oh, Jesus. And she had been enam- become enamored with them, by them, for them. And so we, I thought that, that was a real crummy idea to play with your fingers. And I, it made me angry. So we audition a couple of bassists in our heads because we didn't really audition anybody. <laughs> we decide on our our friend Scott, who um, <clears throat> had sung for perennial seminal hardcore band Tripface, Long Island. Um, had sung for Lariat. I was going to say, let's also... Uh, <clears throat> Let's discuss that he was the same one mm, on Instant Messenger before. Yes, Interesting. Yes. However, I am for this idea because I have become friends with Scott despite the amputations, despite the the criminally negligent slander that has occurred on AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> between, like, crime between screen names, I have uh, decided to accept him into the band. However... There is a problem, slight problem. Singer and Scott don't get along. I noticed that. And this became headline news around the Bomber's Burrito Bar set. The At the time, Bomber's Burrito Bar was the hardcore hangout. You could go there at any time of the day, especially after 6 o'clock. And you would see a, uh, a pick'em of hard, the hardcore glitterati. Tremendously bad food. Tremendously bad food, and continues to be bad to this day. And smaller. Much like my penis. And I get a... We we get a kind of a my way or the highway ultimatum uh, from the singer. This is where I get fuzzy because I don't remember a lot of what happened. But the singer decides to leave. Oh, and so he just up he he bowed out. Sort um, of. Did he expect you guys he, to be like, wait, 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 wait. This is what happened. And this is, remember that we're all young. Where emotions are running high. The, this is an, uh, Lucas has become an engine that won't quit locally. People are showing up to our shows. However, um, <clears throat> our, uh, our pistons have become pitted. And this engine is running at high RPMs. How, how long has it been since... Start of the band to now. Year and a half. Okay. About a year now. Year and a half. I'll just say year and a half. Um, unbeknownst, I have an arsenal of songs that I have written for me only. Skullduggery. 
<laughs> graft. I've committed graft. I've committed skullduggery. I've secretly accumulated a mint of songs that are are must wins. Are 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 sure surefire uh seventy yard touchdown passes of songs. Um our friend the singer <clears throat> has uh feels powerless against the turning tide, does not get along with the bass player and decides that he won't take a practice with him and leaves it up to us. Always a good try. Uh says, Well, from my memory, my memory serves me correctly. This is um, I blocked out a lot of it because it was emotionally difficult. <clears throat> Much like a uh, you'd block out a childhood trauma. <laughs> this seems traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we decided to keep on playing our brand of emo rock that has been uh, dropped down to um, my level, and the singer decides to step aside well has stepped aside by default because we say well we need a bassist (laughs) and scott's our scott's our ticket and i'm gonna sing and this becomes as andrew can attest this becomes the talk of the town it got wild there is a plane there was a plane flying overhead with a banner at one point um People had had called in, called out of work to listen to the uh, radio for updates on yeah, what was happening. This was seventy two hours of fucking pure lunacy. Yes, we were in the. But imagine how I felt in the pressure in the Lucas pressure cooker. Uh, I remember at one point, the uh, someone had said we should change our name now because there's already a Lucas. A a uh, singer named Lucas had recorded a song called Lucas with a Lit Off Oof. in the early 90s. And um, clearly we would reach that level of fame. Of course. And Lucas would then sue us. Short-sighted. That we were accused of being short-sighted. I decided to keep the name. And um, <clears throat> that's where the term try me was born. Because Lucas can try me. Uh, the second Mark II of Lucas played one show. <laughs> How did that implode? Uh, the it played. It was uh the pain, the despair, the the lunacy, the uncertainty of being in that pressure cooker proved too much for me, and I decided to move to Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, that's right. Okay, you know. I didn't want to bring it. I didn't want to ruin the flow of your story. But wasn't there a point when the singer invited you over to write lyrics and had like candles burning? <laughs> my friend, I'm so that was glad. my favorite part. Of I'm the... so glad you remembered that. The singer was a bit of a um, let's say melodramatic and romantic. He was a bit of a romantic. He was a boy, the man with the child in his eyes. To paraphrase, uh, well, to directly quote um, Kate Bush. Damn, these cookies are good. Um, it's the Gabri special. Gabri special. Works every time. Um, there's marijuana and LSD in these cookies. That's mm-hmm. why. Um, 
he said, let's get together. I'll put on some candles and we'll just riff off each other. We'll, we'll form a, well, cause this was when we were trying to kind of feel each other out as far as who was going to sing what, cause there was, there was an increased public, let's say demand. People were, um, lining up around the corner to sign a petition to have me sing more at some point. Um, People were taking out full-page ads in the, t- the Albany Times Union. Let Hans sing. So, it was heavy. And, um... So he said, well, why don't you come over to my apartment? And I'll light some candles. And we'll vibe off each other. <sighs> said, I gotta work late. <laughs> I came up with some... I came up with some lame bullshit why I couldn't do that. Um... Because like, of course, no. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> many, many times. Because no, no definitely not. Like, hey, Andrew. Like, at any point in our eight-year musical relationship, that I ever say, "Homie, let's riff off each other. Let's just riff off each other. Why don't you come over with some candles, man? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll pour like pour some riesling, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll get to know each other as artists. I'll like when you fall, I'll pick you up, man. You know what I mean? Oh Musically. my god. Um, that should have been your, that. That would have been my red flag. Like, listen, I can't make practice forever. <laughs> and that was the story, of Lucas. Uh, dead at two years old. Jesus. All right, that was major. That seemed painful. I have never fully recovered. All right. It was. It was as if. Someone had given you a gift, everything you'd ever known in your life, allowed you to touch it, smell it, to feel its edges, and then had taken it away. Teddy. That band was everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was, and then I joined, uh, well... I'm going to toss the ball to Andrew now, because that was about 45 minutes. Yeah, that got, that was long and heavy. All right. <laughs> I'll keep this one lighter. Maybe. Um, same time, actually. We're, uh, we're we're neck and neck. Just a few doors away. Hmm. Um, I, mean, I forgot we were almost neighbors for a while. That was yeah. cool. I was... During Police Line, Police Line would go through uh, periods of inactivity. Where, you know, we all had other bands, we would just do other things. And Much like, as... Fucking, I was probably going to, like, Amdu Diallo protests and shit. You know, there's a fucking lot going on. Did you go to the Amadou Diallo protest I, in not uh, only... Albany? Where you held up your wallet? I did. Right, of course. Um, I was interviewed by Fox News after I kicked over a trash can when the, uh, the verdict came down. <laughs> uh, I held meetings at my house. And actually, the Albany Police Department paintballed my house really yeah I, you know for all my bullshit about being an activist and whatnot at this point during the the diallo protests we most of the stuff was happening at our house it was just like a shitty punk house where people would come and go it's beautiful um and my uh i remember my girlfriend at the time woke me up in like you know one in the morning I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, uh, I 
was looking out our front window. I was in, in the living room reading, and uh, there was a cop car out there. And I looked, and I opened the door and looked out there, and the cop looked at me and, like, made a pointing gun gesture at me and then drove away. Wow. And I'm like, okay, you're fucking insane. Because that didn't happen, like, at all. Like, like you just fucking are a lunatic and you made that up. Yeah. Um, and then a few days later, our house started to get paintballed. And we didn't live in a great neighborhood, so it's like, yeah. oh, cool. There's, like, some fucking jerk kid with a paintball gun. Yeah. Um, so, whatever. I But the woman who did the whole protest thing was like, you... This is, you know, this is an act against you. You need to call the police department and get them down here. You know, whatever. Some bullshit. Yeah, of course. Um, but we do this just to, like, appease her. And straight up, like, a police captain rolls up to my house and is like, well, we'll start checking lockers right away. Like, they were, like, really freaked out by it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, whatever. That's that's fine. Never think about it again. After the first day of the Diallo protest, we're driving back to my house. And I live on a one-way. And we... Uh, we turn down the one way, and there's a car coming at us, going the wrong way. We're like, whoa! You know? <laughs> and we pull off, and it's like a, you know, like a 1985 Pontiac Parisian. You know, it's like a, <laughs> like, sticks out like a sore thumb, beating yeah. the shit. But there's four uniformed police officers in the car, driving the wrong way down my street. Oh, my God. And we're like, okay, that was weird. And we get to my house, and the one of my roommates that didn't go was standing outside. We're like, it just happened. I just heard the paintballs a second ago. Like, oh my god, hundred percent. We were like paintballed by the Albany Police Department. That's great. So yeah, so damn. Call it what it is. Yeah, Basta. Um, but so at this point, all this shit is going on. Um, I don't know. Again, I never know how these bands start, but I ended up in another band with uh, uh, fevered podcast listener Joe Pienta. Yeah, he was supposed um, to. He said he wanted to come by later. Yeah, he, he constantly wants to watch football with me. I keep blowing him off because I'm, I'm really good like that. I always forget our, isn't he our really, standing Thursday isn't night. Isn't he so. really into running? He's very into running. He's a track coach at Iona. Uh, oh, it was actually him. funny. He, when, uh, when he lived in Albany and was going to SUNY, I uh, was like, oh, you should come to my track meet. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. You know, like, I don't know. Sure, I guess. I don't know what this stuff is. Uh, and so I went. It was like eight in the morning. And I was just like, I'll be supportive. Whatever. Yeah. It's like 50 people running. And so I get up to like the track area. I'm just waiting for the runners to come along. And there's 50 people running. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'll catch him somewhere in the middle. Straight up first dude, like five minutes for everyone else. The dude is fucking fast. Whoa. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so yeah, the accomplished runner. So him... Uh, Hotshot drummer Rob Cole. He's good. Uh, good dude. Very, very fun. Went on to uh, later play with uh, Jay Mascus. Is that right? I didn't true. know that. Yep. Very nice. Uh, and Sean Duty on bass. Or was I on bass? I think Sean Duty on guitar, me on bass. Oh, yeah. I forget. You know, we've, we've done this dance so many was times. Is this Crust Duty? Uh, oh, this we're deep in the throes of Crust right now. Full on dreadlocks. <laughs> is this camouflage pants? I haven't changed in a year. Pre PJ um, top, Andrew. Pre PJ top, uh, black hoodie with the conflict back patch on it every day. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like seriously, like the most out to lunch I've ever been as a human working being. at the theater at the mall, Andrew. Working at the theater at the mall. Yep, okay. as a projectionist. Yep. Uh, the deepest, darkest of my life, no question. And Sean Duty, blonde dreadlocks, you know, 
bandana, had scabies at this point. <laughs> you know, like questionable, really, really, questionable yeah. sexuality. Uh, yeah, Sean Duty definitely in doing some weird shit <clears> at that point. Um, but we started this tremendously heavy band. Awesome. Because um, I was really into ire, as attested. <laughs> of and, course. Uh, this was the point where uh, Neurosis was a really deep influence. So we started a oh, heavy, kind of a tribal influence <laughs> crust band. Did you... <laughs> Detuning. Did you hit an anvil at any point? No, we didn't hit an anvil. Though we were, uh, we really there was. Oh, what was that band from Plattsburgh that played the Gong? We liked that shit a lot. Oh, it's um, uh, uh, fuck. It's gonna kill me. I'll remember. Oh, the Husk. We, no, it wasn't Husk. It was like a three. Like it was like as I die or something. You know, one of those fucking. Things. Let's just say as I lay dying. As I lay dying. <laughs> It was uh, My Chemical uh, Romance. Uh, it'll come to me later on, I'm sure. Um, but not only was this band not awesome. great, um, but then we really augmented it by <laughs> attempting a light show. Uh, not that we knew anything about stage lighting or anything. Oh it was just like God. somebody had a fucking strobe light. Um, now I know why you were so uptight when we stayed in squats dude, in Europe. Unreal! Like I want to kill myself. I want to put a bullet in my fucking brain that. right now. So not only that, <laughs> but then also use of a sampler. Gosh. So we had shit to sample. We had samples that we would play. How did I miss seeing this? I seeing you guys play. I don't know. It was a fucking main event, uh, and the absolute worst. I think the lowest in my musical career ever. Maybe. Uh, the girl I saw at the time did a song where she did slam poetry over the uh. music that we played. <laughs> this was about Mumia, right? There was certainly a song about Mumia. Um, this was really bad. This, like, I honestly, I would... What's the name of this I band? would cut this fucking bottle in half and slip my wrist right now if I could. What was the name of this band? This was called Per Capita, if I had I mentioned that before. Per Capita. Per Capita. I remember seeing Per Capita stickers. You guys played with the Policy Ensemble at Mother Earth Cafe. Probably. We definitely did. Probably, yep. Um, the Policy Ensemble dude, from Texas. Fuck. Like, I'm out of breath thinking about this. Um, per Capita kind of stopped as quickly as it started. Uh, I think we just stopped practicing. There was no, uh, yeah, like no hard feelings. I think Sean Duty wanted to quit, but we stopped before he had a chance to. Um, and all, weirdly, all of us live in Brooklyn now, and I don't think all of us have been in the same room together for twelve years. The Capital <laughs> Reunion know. for sure. Uh, I would def, I would definitely a hundred percent go watch football with every member for Capital. I think that would be fun as shit. Oh yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah, I'm trying to man. Per Capita never recorded. Some demo tapes may exist out there in the ether. Some uh, hardcore fans or some completists have been yeah. collecting all the What's per capita really funny stuff. about Per Capita, though, is even after it <clears throat> stopped, I was still writing for it for like a really long time. Like, I still <laughs> had the candle lit for like a long ass time. Yeah. Dude, like, so bad. So bad. I'm really glad. Oh, we had a base cab that was empty and it just had lights in it. 
Dude, so that's almost that's almost as bad as Lariat's like uh, Lariat's like over the top production sometimes. Oh my god! And I remember. Um, Could anything be more telling of the era that this was done in? <laughs> you know, like the most overindulgent ass shit. What was the band after Catharsis? Oh, do I remember? don't even know. Per capita, I don't know. It's <laughs> so bad. Whoever it was, I saw play, and they were very bad. But they had a light show, which I thought was funny. Ah. Uh. <laughs> this is like that perfect marriage of like the idiocy of neurosis and like the fucking hotness of his hero is gone. Like all this fucking <laughs> the most dramatic white suburban shithead shit you can imagine. Oh, That's just great. thrown in here. Wow. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear God. Uh, so per capita ended. Police Line still went on past that point, though. Okay. I like how Police Line is the running theme. Yeah, Police Line... God, Police Line... Whoops. Jesus Christ, almost ten years. That's a stupid awesome. band. Ten years. Almost. Probably, like, seven. Wow. Um. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, can't. I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, ball passed to you. No, <laughs> that's per capita. <laughs> ball passed to me. Well... I moved to Louisville, and I became somewhat of a scenester. Sort of. I worked at all the right places, hung out with all the right people, hung out with the, uh, became good friends with, and hung out with the singer of, um, God, what was the name of that fucking band? I can't remember now. Endpoint. Remember them? Oh, yeah. Hung out with Endpoint. And uh, the embryonic phases of Black Cross. <clears throat> came back uh, from Louisville because I missed Albany. <laughs> again, <clears throat> I'll say that again. I had a great job at a health food store. Well, it wasn't great. Uh, actually, it wasn't really that good. Um, but I moved from Louisville, Kentucky, to Albany again because I saw on a local message board that the scene was starting to blow up again. If you can imagine. <laughs> after the demise of Lucas. It's like rebuilding Berlin after World War II. Where there's such a gra- grassroots effort to rebuild the scene. After uh, a band like Lucas had ended prematurely. Um, I came back and the, the scene was was going in all different directions. They were having shows at the uh, VFW Hall in Waterford. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Order of Elite, I mean. And, um... We played one of those shows. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I remember coming back flush with cash. Uh, and I'd done well out there. And I was... Ready to play again. So I uh, put the feelers out. Lived with Scott from Lucas. And I, uh, that's where I told the story that that was the punk house where the girl drew the cartoon of oh, the yeah, dog drinking right. and someone pissed on it. And then she put a post-it note that said, you guys are assholes. 
Yo, did I just see... Did Kevin Costner play a cameo in this movie? Yeah, I saw that. What the fuck? All right, anyway, sorry, anyway. keep going. We're gonna go back. Um, also, uh, uh, the helicopter pilot was Al Cerullo Jr. Um, Clint Oh, yeah, Clint yeah. Howard's looking real good in this. <laughs> uh, Heaven 17, Penthouse and Pavement. That's great. Anyway. Um, oh, Shelley Long. I would go long with Shelley Long. I'd hold out. Anyway. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> totally got off track. Okay, I saw on a local message board that the Albany scene was on the rise again. And I said, well, fuck it. I'm going to break my lease, leave my friend Jennifer in the lurch, and move back, drive back to Albany to live and to play music again. <clears throat> so, that happened. <laughs> Lived with Scott and uh, and company and co. Uh, we have we had our house just to get, for your amp nerds. I had an Ampeg Lee Jackson metal amp at the time, which Jeez. was terrible, awful. Um, don't know what happened on that amp. Actually, I forget. I think I sold it. No, I traded it to Dave Zeidman even. For the Fender Rock Pro. Oh, That's wow. how I got right. the Fender Rock Pro. <laughs> I got my guitar from Dave Zeidman. Perfect. There we go. Um, <clears throat> Dave Zeidman, original founding member of End of a Year. Uh, drummer. No, bassist. Never mind. Bassist. Um, <clears throat> That's Kevin Costner right yeah, there. Balance, holy shit. Balancing a Miller Lite on his head. Wow. Holy fuck. Fuck, look at that Kevin Costner in fucking Night, Night Shift. Shift. Stealing the scene. Wow. All right. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, I love cameos. I love cameo. Um, and I decided, well, Burning Bridges have been playing. Scott had been singing. I played my first Burning Bridges show on guitar. It wasn't very good. It was Mid. only one show you play guitar? Yeah. Wow. Burning okay. Bridges, yeah. In Long Island with On the Might of Princess. Isn't there an entire record without you singing, though? Am I wrong in that? There is. Okay. There's a first demo without uh, me singing. Oh, okay. Uh, first, I played a first show with them was with On the Might of Princess in Long Island. Um, people with uh, AIDS spot? What? The People with AIDS spot? PWAC? No, no, no. no. Uh, okay. <laughs> No, we played some creepy church. Oh, okay. And uh, I remember falling asleep um, <clears throat> on the table. Typical hardcore bro thing to do. <laughs> falling asleep on a table, laying on my back on a table while on the Mighty Princes were playing. And people like faking interest. It was like fucking awful. Not to speak ill of the dead, but they weren't very good. Because um, that dude just died. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the singer just died. Okay. Um, you know, whatever. He was like 40. Good life. Long life. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> we just lost all our listeners. Yeah, I know. I can't believe anyone's still listening to this right now. This is, we're like two hours in here. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? No. We might do a two-parter. Just letting, just letting everybody know there. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, I'll make it short and sweet. Burning Bridges. I can't make Burning Bridges short Yeah, Burning sweet. Bridges is like a, an odyssey. <laughs> Yeah! 
been in bands, man. We, we, you know. Oh, God, I was in a band called Scrotum Pole, too. <laughs> With the singer of Lucas, the old song. Who, who quote unquote played bass. Those are the days, man. I wish I could turn back time and just walk up and have the QE2 be there. And the Q back where he belongs. People wearing kill switch engage hoodies. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> Fucking so good. <clears throat> up next, kill switch engage followed by Voorhees. Those are the kind of shows that were happening in the late 90s. Yeah, I've seen Voorhees at the QE2, yeah. Oh, that, I was there and they 25 to Life played yeah. with them. Very weird shit. I was there, and I was in front with my straight edge shirt. I had the Thrasher print on it. And someone tripped me while I was walking to the bathroom. Very nice. That was a tough. That was a tough crowd back then. And anyway, you, you showed right. weakness. <laughs> you showed any weakness, you get on the. You would be on the. You'd. You'd be put on the floor. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> I hit my leg. Um. So, okay, so Burning Bridges formed, um, we started, uh, uh, Burning Bridges, the classic Burning Bridges lineup was Scott on bass, me singing, um, Joe Camareri, who now plays for the hardcore band Born Low on guitar, and, uh, Adam Cram. One of the supporters of this podcast. Yes. Joe Camareri. Yeah, Joe Camareri is a great guy. Nice guy. Infinitely fun to make fun of, though. So I'll just, I'll just keep talking that shit. That'll be a, yeah. a lot of fun. And he'll, you know, he'll sit there and get really fucking mad. It'll be great. Well, that was the he was fucking the fucking anger case, Joe Camareri. Well, Joe Camareri was the Sean Duty of that band because we made fun of <laughs> we made fun of him. We brought him we brought him in and out. We made fun of him twenty four seven. He was he was a, <laughs> he was maybe the meanest thing you could have said to that dude. No, he was a big pussy with hairs on it back then, man. No question. <clears throat> but he grew up. Yeah. And now I see him, and he's fucking talking to girls and shit. He's got a job. He's doing all right. It's on Reaper Records. I worked with him for a long-ass time, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he showed, you know, that's cool. We're good, man. When I see Joe Cams, I always give him a high-five and a hug. What's up, man? Well, I know we used to be in a band together. Don't let that sway you. We're good. You know? Uh... I won't get. To, I won't talk about the Burning Bridges reunion yet, but because uh, that was really funny. <laughs> but um, I'll say that we've uh, started playing. The songs were already written, which was a great advantage to me. I at one practice we said Scott uh, wants to play bass guitar. Um, this local artist Samson was playing bass at the time. And he uh, couldn't get it together. He, I think he was he was like living in his car, and it was just it just wasn't a good scene at the time. So he was like, you know, passed the baton or whatever. Because he had played in Lariat. <clears throat> I remember when he played in Lariat, he got trouble for wearing Nike shoes. Oh yeah, I that remember that. That was back. I mean, you think it's bad now when people are nitpicky, like now when people are like, oh, trigger warning, you can't just say whatever you want. Back then, you'd get in trouble for wearing Nikes. Yeah, it's like very oh, I got my stupid. like oh, you know, I'm late to the fucking show. I better I'm just gonna keep my trainers on. You know, I'm gonna keep my Air Max on. You know, and you'd get in trouble. You'd be like banned from the show. Very dumb. This so is stupid. a this is a, a cruelty free safe space, farm to table, 
gluten-free area. You can't come in here with Nikes, dude. Just just letting you know. Um, so I start singing, and I, I catch that old glory again. I catch the fury. We are immediately signed to Thorpe Records. After many shows, we play one-offs in such places as, uh, uh, well, I don't remember the name of the town, but it's rural Michigan. We played, um, I told that story once where we had, we went through two rental cars driving to Michigan. We went on like Was one. Was it the van? <clears throat> the, the incident as it yeah. will forever be known? Oh, you gotta tell that story. That was, well, we had, uh, been driving. Scott had a temper on him. Let's just, let's just put it out there. Scott had a bit of a temper on him. And if things didn't go his way, let everybody know. He's like a, he's like a mad dad at times. He's now a mad dad. He's now a mad dad. I, mean, I love the guy, but he was uh, a mad dad at the time of the band. Sometimes I like to say things just to anger him. You know, it's, it's, it's like, I just like to do it sometimes. It's very, uh, he just posted something about <clears throat> he is now the administrator of a local library. And he's it's, he uh, wrote something about how... Um, Art Garfunkel was playing at his library and using his uh, office as a dressing room. And I wanted to write, are, are there any groupies in there fucking him? <laughs> Art Gar- <laughs> <laughs> These are all the things I think of writing him, but it's like he's posting on behalf of the library. Yep. <laughs> and I just don't want to like do it. But I think about it. Like, are there any groupies in there fucking old Art Garfunkel? I've taken the bait once or twice with those things <laughs> they come up. I can't help myself. I know. I don't want to be that guy who's like, hey, I haven't talked to him in like two years. I'm going to I'm gonna really nail him on that, or that groupies blowing Art Garfunkel <laughs> in his desk. That'll, that'll chap his ass good. <laughs> that'll chap his ass. That'll give him a red ass in the morning. That'll give him a chap... But um, yes, he had a red ass through a lot of burning bridges. <clears throat> that it caused a lot of uh, internal strife for me because it's like uh, it's like I don't want to feel like I'm in a band with my dad. Like, although my dad's a good guy, I just like the royal dad. Like, you know, some cocksucker wants to tell you what to do all the time. So that was weird. Uh, but we had a nominal amount of fame. We had the you know appropriate amount of dudes and football jerseys mm-hmm. and work boots show up to our shows, and like fucking like oversized hoodies and shit. Girls with like juicy couture on holding jackets while men would dance. Excellent. That kind of shit. Um, I remember one time we played Saratoga Winners and Adam Cram's cymbal fell off <laughs> and rolled on its edge off the stage like a like a drop. Somebody dropped a coin. And rolled into the audience, and and no one would like give us a little help and give us the symbol back, and that's when we were opening for Madball. Oh, that was considered like a big failure, and I remember also, um, it was like uh, I had uh, what's called pharyngitis, which is an, a, a really bad infection of the pharynx, which I got from a dirty microphone singing awesome. at the Chance in Poughkeepsie. Ugh. And my throat closed to the point where they had to put a, a, a stent in my throat. Jesus. Yeah, in order for me to breathe. And um, <laughs> Mad Dad Scott said, well, we missed the American Nightmare show. <laughs> so uh, 
I just that's one of my biggest regrets in this band is that we missed the American Nightmare show. Jesus Christ! That was my fault because I had a throat infection that almost killed me. I remember that was the the uh, week that the DC Sniper was wreaking havoc, and I was just laying on an air mattress in my parents' family room because I was recovering. Well, not really recovering. I was dying, literally dying. <laughs> Eating coffee ice cream while my dad like sat in a chair like making sure I like, didn't fall asleep and die, and I was watching like coverage on my side of like the DC sniper and like them stopping white vans, and um, <clears throat> yeah, that was burning bridges. And then we broke up. Then we broke up. You didn't tell the story though. The story that everyone wants to hear. Uh, uh fill me in because there's the so van, many. The van, the van, driving the van story. <laughs> well, we were driving. Uh, which van story? The one where we broke down? No, no, the one where oh, you hit the black shit. ice. So we're driving to a show in Burlington, Vermont. As a, do you care if I have another one of these? Go for it. Delicious beers. Okay. Thank you. So we're driving to a band, to a show in Burlington, Vermont. As a, as you know, as one band is wont to do, and they want to hit the pinnacle of their success. They want to drive to Burlington and play as much as possible because it's such a hotbed of musical activity. Um, and also a really nice drive back, like nine hours. Um, so anyway, we <laughs> drive up there and we rent a brand new Pontiac Aztec van. <clears throat> Uh, the guy in the rental place says, it's brand new. It's only got 30 miles on it. Awesome. So we pack up all the stuff and we're four piece so we can pull it off. You know, we can fucking pull it off. Driving up, driving up, getting a little icy, getting a little dicey, right? All of a sudden we hit black ice. (laughs) And we're spinning. We're spinning. And as we're about to hit, Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> the ditch and flip. I yell, I'm sorry! <laughs> and I yell, I'm sorry. And I close my eyes. And I wake up, and there's red hot transmission fluid <laughs> running down my arms. And we were listening to a band called Six Going on Seven at the time which is a band that was on some records, which is a subsidiary of Quicksand. I don't know, some Quicksand dude did it. Uh, and the CD kept skipping, and and Mad Dad Scott kicked out a window. Jesus Christ. Because we were upside down. He had to get us out. He <laughs> oh, was okay, a, all right. Never mind. He was our savior. I thought he was listening on the way and got so mad it was skipping no. that he kicked a window out. No. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> No, that happened like an hour before we crashed. She just kicked the window out. It was amazing. But, um... So, uh, yeah. Didn't, wasn't there like an out-of-control truck coming up after you or some shit like that? <laughs> yes, right after. Uh, yeah, we crashed. We got out. We're stumbling around. I'm like, oh my god. Because uh. I think... I grew up watching California Highway Patrol television, you know? So I think... Anytime a car crashes, it's going to explode. Oh, it's going to explode, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I just scramble out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe this is happening. Um, we get the keys. We get picked up by, like, literally, like, the mom and pop, like, incorporated rescue squad with, like, a 1970s ambulance. And we're brought to a firehouse that is, like, one 
one place, you know, um, <clears throat> like one, it's like one small room. That's it. Joe's bass, Joe's guitar still works, but, uh, Adam Cram's bass drum is crushed. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah. He's a, he's like a, he is a, uh, in retrospect, the nicest guy in the band. Yeah. <laughs> But not a man I would ever say anything bad about because he would crush my skull. Also very true. So um, Adam Cram was in a great mood and didn't say anything mean and was awesome the whole time. (laughs) Uh, And we get brought to a shitty hotel where I was certainly concussed because I bought a loaf of bread and a big bottle of ginger ale, ate the whole loaf... (laughs) And drank the bottle. <laughs> As a snack. Holy shit. Ate the whole loaf of bread. <clears throat> and uh, drank the entire bottle of Canada Dry Ginger Ale. And then fell asleep. Surprise. Fell asleep. That's why the first time I ever saw Joe Camarari's cock. Oh, awesome. Also. Jesus. Joe Camarari's girlfriend at the time picked us up. That was the beginning of the end, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to recover from. That. Yeah, that was like the that was like the backbreaking pick six with two minutes left in the game, where you're just like, <clears throat> motherfucker, you know. Um, yeah, uh, and um, then we played a little bit more. I had started painting houses. Um, I was getting ripped off by. Uh, um, Limp Wrist member Mark Telfian and his family not make, uh, making very little money um, for doing a lot of hard work, which sucked. Had them, had, but they had me by the balls because I had to work, you know. And <laughs> I remember we went to record our second album and it was posthumous, wasn't it? The second album, mm, yeah, okay. but we recorded it, and it can only the sound can only be described as tired. <laughs> well, you'll have to tell me which song to play for, uh, uh, for the audio samples. We get these coming in. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, I don't even remember Jesus, a lot of this them. episode's gonna be even longer because you also have to add in the time for all these songs, too. <laughs> Holy fuck, it's an epic! <clears throat> uh, it's an epic. Um, the Bad Band episode uh, delivers as promised. Um, so, uh, but the real breakdown comes after we've recorded. Well, first of all, none of us have any money to contribute to the recording. Excellent. Which is something but that it has sh- to be a super polished fucking professional recording. Well, we recorded with John Delahanty mm-hmm. at his studio, but it also his studio got busted while we were recording for code issues. Because they also arrested a bunch of prostitutes next door. Yeah, the guy who owned the building uh, had a brothel in the back. All our shit got locked in there for months at a time. Right. Yes. Yeah, that was a real scene. Because you had your recording studio there at the time. That's when you and uh, Andrew and I started talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, uh, end of a year, or self-defense family, or whatever you want to call it, uh, started to come together not long after that. We actually, <laughs> end of a year, <laughs> this is also a, a mad dad story, um... End of year started, like, a couple months before Burning Bridges ended. And I remember when we started playing shows, everyone got jealous and weird because we started rocking it. 
And I remember uh, it came to a fever pitch when Scott, Mad Dad, said, are you going to quit and join and just do that band full time? Because I don't want to waste my time. Funny enough, that same fight happening with a different band uh, across town at the same time. That no was, shit. Uh, yeah. Apparently, you know, I wasn't in the band, I can't say for sure, but uh, apparently that same fight was happening with Dave Zeidman and Madeline Ferguson. Yes, so, yeah, because yeah. two-thirds of Madeline Ferguson yeah, were in so end of the year. Somebody got real hot on that, and yeah, so... Well, it just shows... band has been fucking busting balls ever since its inception. You know, I was going to say, from the beginning, end of the year playing spoiler. <laughs> we'd show up. We we would show up to your uh, to your fucking VFW hall. We would dress down your under-practiced shitty band. We'd take your money and we'd leave. So Since is, 03. <laughs> is that is that all your musical embarrassments? Is that everything not even laid bare? No. Okay. <laughs> well, that's about it. Wow. Oh. No, I have to talk about a band called Cursey, too. Cursey? Yeah, it was my promise ring band that oh, I shit. formed in Glens Falls. Fucking A. I don't have to talk about that now. <laughs> uh, there's also a band. I forget the name of the band. I really do. But we, it was a hardcore band in Glens Falls that I practiced in our parents' attic. My dad come, came home from work early one day and saw the ceiling bouncing from the drums and he ran upstairs and said stop 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 you're gonna collapse the ceiling and then the band broke up <laughs> it never we never played your again. dad plays prominently into a lot my of my dad's things. fucking great i talked to him today on the phone man he makes me laugh my ass off i know where i get it from now now that i'm 36 i look back and all I'm makes like, sense it's all dad jesus i'm gonna have my dad in the podcast one time i'm gonna you gotta do that he he, he's a buyer beware. He he likes to fart a whole lot, and he's seventy, so he doesn't give a fuck. All right, but um, he is a irreverent <laughs> sob, and you think I'm bad? Fuck it. He's the one with the porno dice, after all, <laughs> the porno Rubik's cube. Right. Uh, um. So what about you? The balls. I'm tossing the pass, tossing the, the lateral pass to you, Andrew. All right. I guess I have. We should have planned this out. I should have started because I have one extra one. Because mm. uh, my next one, after the demise of Per Capita, I think pre-police line breaking up. I can't tell. We'll ask Sean Duty in the last episode um, which one it is. Uh, we started the Wellington. The Wellington with Matto. The Wellington Didn't was... you have a roommate who stood on top of the Wellington and threatened to jump? No, no. Um, uh, well, actually, we'll get to that. All right, so the Wellington <laughs> Hotel uh, was an abandoned hotel in Albany that uh, when you are of that age in Albany and you have nothing to do, you just go in there and fuck around because it's an abandoned building and you can walk into the street and it's weird. It was pretty cool. It was awesome to go into the old Wellington. Half of the old Wellington still stands completely Yeah, I abandoned. watched the 4th of July fireworks from the top of the second building. Oh, it was, it was like, was nice. if you wanted to like... Mack it to a crusty girl. In the nineties, you take her to the top of the Wellington. You would have you would get a face full. No question. Um so yeah, so we named it after the Wellington. 
It was most of police line. So it was me, uh, Sean Duty, Paul Henry, and Matto. Matty! And uh, our uh, our friend Paul Hayes singing. Paul Henry, was, uh, uh, leader of Nine Shocks Terror slash... Is he in, no, he's not in Nine Shocks Terror. He was in, he was in he's Limpress. He's in Limpress, yeah. I don't know what he's doing now. I haven't... Uh, I, I can't keep up. Oh, Acid Reflux. Oh, acid Reflux, yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um... Great band. We started this, and this was actually a lot of fun. This isn't even a musical regret. It was yeah. just kind of whatever. Uh, real emo. Real, like, gas station jacket, like, fucking Mythbusters oh, shit. I know, but more like, 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 South Bay slash San Diego. Yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah call it edge, what you will. Like, with, like, a political flag on your amp and mm. shit, like... Um, another, uh, another band that never recorded. No, Imploded sadly. pretty fast. Uh, I saw you guys play at the Bukendal Temple in Yeah, played, I think, three shows. I think that one, with... there was a house show we played in the basement where yep. somebody pulled my pants down. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, Albany. And then we played at, uh, whatever the fuck that spot, like, next to Valentine's was. The, the like, the Quintessence. Oh, never mind. Wait. Oh my god, I've got an oh, I've got a whole other musical regret. Oh fuck. That's just, uh, breaking okay. Breaking news. Dun, 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 god damn it. Okay, we'll we'll gloss over the Wellington. It happened if I can get a copy talking, of like a four track thing wait, that we wait, did wait. once. Are we talking about ECFU, my friend? Oh, that doesn't really count. I was Okay. Thinking. <laughs> right. Okay. So about, Can I guess? Let me try and figure this out. Because I think police line ended then. Uh, the police line ended in like 2003. Uh, um, way too late. Like 10 years too late. late. Like way too late. And then... <laughs> then the jury happened. The jury. I forgot the jury happened, but it did. <laughs> Uh, known claim to fame. Oh, actually, you tell it because it's great. Yeah, jury happened after police line. I got real weird. I, I got real weird during it, but like, yeah, I just, I just. You became you frequented nightclubs. I became a drunk townie. Yeah, you did. You know, it was like really rough scene. Which is where I am. I'm at right now. Yeah, it's it's not cool. <laughs> um, is, so oh, thank the you. jury <laughs> started. It was uh, me, Joe. John Brisley, Sean Duty playing drums, which is funny because Sean Duty can't play drums. <laughs> Remember that picture of Sean Duty playing drums? So good. And he has his shirt off, and you can see the beads of sweat oh. on his chest hair. It's gross. Um, and Disgusting then Mike, who played hair. in my first band, Molested, sang. And we really all went good. to the mall one day and got like we got Taco Bell cups and filled them with beer and just got drunk at the mall. Sounds awesome. Because that's what fucking county cocksuckers do. Um, and we got into a fight with somebody in a parking lot. And for some reason after that, we're like, fuck it, let's just go write a demo. And we went to the practice space that was shut down because of the hookers. Great. It was open at that point. And we wrote like six songs and recorded them. And that was it. Like wrote the entire demo in fucking two hours and we're done. Uh, which is the way I prefer to do things ever since. Just Mm. like, just knock it out. Uh, and then proceeded to play like a lot of bad punk houses 
and, <laughs> the uh, panic zone. Yeah, they all moved into a fucking bad punk house in like the worst neighborhood in Albany. Called the Panic Zone. Called the Panic Zone. Yeah, it was just um, great. Yeah, I, this is all very hazy because I spent a lot of time drunk during this. I remember we went to play in Burlington and we I played re- a screwdriver cover and the kid from, what was that fucking band from Burlington who thought he was Ian McKay? What the fuck was that kid's <laughs> uh, name? Spencer. Spencer. He was uh, awful. After he- singing along with the song grabbed the microphone during our set and asked us why we played a screwdriver cover, oh, which was awesome. Like, like five years late to the game yeah. of confronting a band on uh, stage. So after we finished, I had like a showdown with him. I, I don't remember a single minute of it because we drank the entire way up. So mm-hmm. I was just... I, I don't even know what happened there. And the only thing I remember is Sean Diddy was designated driver. Drove us home. <laughs> oh, Sean Diddy actually... We kicked Sean Duty out of the band right before tour, like two weeks before tour, to replace him with uh, our friend Andy Weaver, who actually could play drums. Yeah. But we did it in the most asshole way ever. Yeah. Where I came over to their house, and we all sat and watched TV for an hour, and then somebody said, oh, Sean Duty, uh, speaking of tour, we've decided to replace you with Andy Weaver, so you won't be coming with us. <laughs> and he was Dead like, silence. And, and he was then like, Sean um, um, Yeah, Sean um. goes upstairs and like breaks a bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, it has like a real temper <laughs> tantrum. Uh, we leave for tour and John forgets something. We've got to go back. And he said he went in to get something and he could hear Sean Diddy upstairs singing along to Morrissey really loud in an empty house. Oh, yeah, I wish like, Sean Diddy was here right real now. Heavy. I wish Sean Diddy was here right now. I'd slap him open right, hand. Really face. heavy. So, but, you know, all's well, whatever. Sean Diddy becomes our designated driver for the Burlington show. And we, uh, at the end, we, we're just drinking vodka straight because it's fucking gross. All I remember is throwing up out the side of a moving van and then a cop <laughs> pulling Sean Diddy over for doing like 80 and a 55 and handing him a ticket that I thought I was like tripping out. The ticket was, I shit you not, like 72 inches long. It was like this printout. <laughs> it, was, like, it was your entire arm span. It was, it was like a CVS thing. receipt. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, jury was not great. I Didn't... I think I quit to join Self-Defense Family. Yeah. Uh, you did? Yeah, no, I did. No, because we, yeah, because Steve Hagner quit on tour. Yeah, I think there was and a point where I did both. We called you from D.C. and said, you're on. And you yeah. were like, cool. Uh, and was... those dudes really hated that shit. Because it was Albany and everyone fucking hated Patrick. And it was like, real, like... Those dudes were really no, living in this point it's where like Patrick scenes hated each other. Fucked around with a local girl who like had punk ties. Yeah, I don't know. It was like even... some dumb bullshit. Yeah, it's just it's it is what it is. So those dudes got really sour. Uh, I don't know if I quit. I don't exactly know what happened. I, there was just a point where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, and they kept going to like a, I guess a minor degree of success. I don't know. Like pulled another tour or two out. Uh, and that was it. But yeah, Jerry was. Um... You guys, you forgot to tell the story about when you played Jillian's. I don't remember playing. I know we did. The jury recently played a reunion, and didn't ask you to play. Yeah, right? that's correct. And you were you had a sore butt. About yeah, it. I, I threw a bottle against the wall. I and do remember like, playing Jillian's. I remember like getting into a car and like driving there with like Angus you played a screwdriver I've... cover at Jillian's. Yeah. I was there and it was great. That sounds right. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. See you. Yeah, and then you joined end of year 
two weeks before we recorded at Inner Ear. So you were like, perfect it was a timing. It was more like two months. I mean, two we didn't months. write all those songs. But yeah, it was right before. Remember when we <laughs> wrote that? Well, yeah, because we used to go to Mike Brandenburg's house to practice. Mm-hmm. And I used to pick you up. And then, but we we wrote like, uh, yeah, we wrote some songs fast. It yeah, good. Harrison, Midwest, fucking threw all those things together. Harrison, I've t- yeah, that was my, my part was, you know what, whatever, honestly. Um, and then <clears throat> my last one was The Conviction, which we talked about in episode, the end of episode 39. So this is it. You're cleared out. This is it. I'm done after this. And I actually, this is the only other thing I was able to dig up, but I found some conviction. That's, oh my god. We will try now. Are you saying? vocalist for Police Line, who left, you know, for the Army, came back, and put on, like, 40 pounds, I think he was dishonorably discharged, I think he tried to split his wrists or some shit like that, he, like, he really, <laughs> yeah. fucking rough time of it, uh, and he came back, and we did this with, uh, original drummer from The Molested, Greg, who played with the, uh, the cymbal in his leather jacket, playing bass, Unbelievable. and, uh, and newcomer to my circle, uh, Chris Unwin on drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was just actually just a dope time. It was a lot of fun uh, until it wasn't. And then people stopped showing up for practice, and that was it. Like, all my bands always end like that. I, I don't have any blowouts. We just stopped <laughs> yeah. playing one day, you know, which is, is that, fine. Is that how Bear Mattress is going to end? Uh, yeah, well, no, no question. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the bus left without me. I can't make it. Um, and yeah, this, this happened... Uh, parallel to uh, end of the year, I'd say like. I remember, a I remember year-ish. picking you up for an end of year practice from a convention practice. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do. For a stupid asshole. Um, and yeah, that was okay. That was fine. Yeah. I, I think played like two shows, maybe even just one. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it well, was. Uh, I mean, it was we... something that after... Well, it was funny, because after those other... Like, Greg and uh, and Chris stopped playing, uh, Spencer really wanted to make a go at this and kept, like, getting at me to try and, like, get other people. But he had these weird delusions of grandeur where he really thought sure. he was going to make it with this. And well, I just, he thought the same thing with Drip. Yeah, and I, just, I did the heart to tell him, like, yo, there's a very, very low glass ceiling to this sort of this thing, you know? just be like, like uh, an EP band. Yeah, this might be something you do for fun, man. This is <clears> not something you yeah. do to, like, make a return on your investment, because it's not coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Clearly. Yeah. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, one recording there survives, and I think there's probably a handful of other demos. At this point, I learned to record, so I'm sure there's a handful of other demos floating around on various hard drives in my house. You're so much more prolific than I am, Andrew. Yeah, what are you gonna do? It's just the way it goes. I need to. I have all these things I need to get out, and I think that is the end of my musical embarrassments. That's the end of mine as well. Although, 
I will, we should analyze the end of year embarrassments. <laughs> that, you know what? Let's save that for another episode because now it's one in the morning. We've been going for two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, so this has been a painful trip down memory lane. Um, I'm really glad that you humored us. If you're still listening. If you're still listening. I'll see if I can't edit this down to a clean two hours. And yes. uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, fuck it. This has been episode number 41 mm-hmm. of Overnight Drive. Uh, thank you. Uh, I feel awful. Cleansed. I feel awful. I feel cleansed. <laughs> I feel like I've just injected poison into my eyeball right now. Oh my god! You've got poison in your fingers. That was a um, uh, into another uh, song. Oh fuck! Poison fingers, dude. Jesus Christ! Remember the time that I I played bass for Into Another? Did you really? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. Nope. <clears throat> All right. We'll be back next week with 42, which has already been recorded. So yeah. really, we will be back next week with 43. Don't try and make sense of it. It's just going to happen. Just let it wash over you. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Um, and yeah, maybe 43 will do the embarrassing uh, self-defense family. <laughs> yeah. I've done, I mean, we've done, for 40 episodes, we've done the embarrassing life episodes. Yeah. yeah. The embarrassing band episode. Um. <clears throat> For all those people who are still reeling uh, from the Lucas story, um, I will be providing uh, one-on-one counseling. I know it is still a sensitive issue in the Lark Street, Albany area. Um, if any ex-members would like to contact me to have a cathartic conversation about that, I'm game. The, uh, speaking of cathartic conversation, uh, friends in uh, in the band Restorations uh, tweeting today that they listened to Overnight Drive episode 10 on their Overnight Drive last night. So yes. that's been a real trip. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't drive the van off the road, but yeah. uh, I wish them the best in that. <laughs> yes, hopefully it's steeled you to continue being a band for another 10 years. So. Seriously. <laughs> um, shout out then. Restorations, go for it. Cool. All right, we'll be back next week. Uh, Let's cue the other Ray and Purcell song.
Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today, and uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.